Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy... Another edition of Swoop Swirl on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is Wednesday, February 18, 2015. How's it going, Peter? It's going all right. Going to have another good night. We have uh, Bob Case will be our first guest tonight. Get a chance to talk to him. He's always interesting to talk to and uh, has plenty to talk to, to yeah. us about. He's the Vice President of the International Boxing Association, so we look forward to talking to him. T-Bone, I just got word T-Bone will not be in tonight, uh, but uh, he'll be back next week, so... Uh, we won't do that. Of course, we've got AD at, yep. at, at uh, the 925, and a, one of our favorite spots tonight is uh, Brewski's Beer Tasting. More beer for us. <laughs> How's your week been, man? Yeah, it's been okay. You know, a little some ups and downs. Uh, you know, kid. Yeah. I, had a, I had a sick kid yesterday, I had an injured kid today, you know, that sort of a week. But, you know, not too bad. I did see, as we talked about uh, uh, before the show, I watched The Kingsman, mm-hmm. and just absolutely one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. And just so well filmed. Very, if, if you're a fan of the old James Bond movies, you know, the ones with Sean Connery, yeah. you're going to love this. This is a, just a great kind of play on that, but it's also original. Very cool. Like I said, I, I saw the preview. That's funny. I saw the previews, and it looks, it looks amazing to me. And then yeah. you know, all the different weapons and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It looks crazy. So, yeah. So, that, so you, you, you're giving it the, the thumbs up. Right? Oh, yeah. The two thumbs up. The yeah. Everybody in the up. family loved it. We took, a, you know, it's a rated R, and there's some uh, coarse language and uh, <laughs> quite a bit of, you know, gratuitous yeah, violence. Your kids have hung out with us. So the coarse language exactly. is pretty sure Exactly. Okay. Uh, so... And there was some uh, adult humor involved. Uh, so, but even that being said, the kids, the kids loved it. So yeah. it was a great. We did that on uh, President's Day, so it was a nice way to do something fun with the kids and you know, wife head off. So we it made a whole family thing. It was great, great, very enjoyable. It's one of those movies that, like, as soon as I walked out, I was like, "We're gonna have to own that one day," <laughs> just because you're gonna one day be like, you know, you'll be in that mood, like. Like certain movies, you're just like, oh, I'm in a mood. For, I'm in the mood to watch that movie. You know, you may have seen it a dozen times. You're right. like, you're in that mood. This will be one of those bo- movies nice, that nice. just needs to be owned for 
just that purpose. All right, man. Well, we'll have to. Uh, I'll definitely have to check it out. That sounds. Uh, put it on the list. I, 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 like I said, I was already kind of interested in seeing it, but it's great to have you know somebody yeah. you know actually saw it and tell you exactly what they thought. Well, I was thankful I got to go to a, a movie that wasn't a cartoon. <laughs> That's a good thing, and it wasn't. Although I guess originally it was like a comic book or more like a graphic novel. Uh-huh. It wasn't actually a uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, superhero movie it was right. a spy movie, spy movie I was like yeah. so no cartoons no guys dressed in costumes <laughs> running around as superheroes so for me that's a that's that's a plus too <laughs> and uh Samuel Jackson's in it right he is and you know I'm a big fan of his this is probably like of all the people in the movie, his role is probably the least impressive. Like, his performance is probably the least impressive, which the, yeah. I rarely say that about him. He's, <laughs> he's usually the guy that steals the day. And this one, he, you know, he kind of comes up a little short because the guy he played in the King's Speech, I, forget, I can't remember his, the actor's name, just is brilliant yeah. in this. So is the young, young guy, the yeah. young up-and-comer. Nice. Two of those, they, they, they stole the show. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. excellent. Well, that's very cool. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you and I are going to have plenty of chances to talk a little later because we'll be short on uh, info later. (laughs) So uh, I'll tell you what, let's take our quick first break and come back and uh, introduce our first guest. How do you think? Sounds good. You're listening to the Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Rasmus Stewart. This is called Midtown. Back after this. Yeah. 
You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to Swirl on Talk Story Radio Network. We're going to give uh, Bob Case a call. Hello, we'd like to welcome uh, Vice President of the International Boxing Association, Bob Case, to the show. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. This is Keith, right? Yeah, how you doing, man? Yeah, I, I'm doing good, Keith. It's always how are a, you doing, buddy? Great, man. It's always great to have an opportunity to talk to you and, and chat with you and, 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 and uh, get your thoughts on a lot of things that happen in the, in the world of sports. But uh, for those listeners who haven't heard you before, uh, I'd like to start with a little background. You, you started off as a young, a young, uh, young lad in the Angel organization, huh? Yeah, Keith, I worked for the Angels in 62, 3, 4, and 5 as the assistant equipment manager for them when they played in Dodger Stadium. The years they played, they played 61 their first year in Wrigley Field, and then in 62 they shared Dodger Stadium with the Dodgers. So I was fortunate to be a part of them the years they were there, and, and uh, I enjoyed I made many lifetime contacts. I still work with Dean Chance, who won the Cy Young Award in 1964, He's the uh, president of the International Boxing Association. I'm the vice president. So Dean and I have been lifetime friends for what's what is it? Do the math. Fifty-two years is it? I guess or fifty since 1962, or no, fifty-three years now. But uh, you know, uh, and I just was fortunate and blessed to make made a lot of life. Bo Belinsky, who was a star player for them, was one of my dearest friends and uh, closest friends of my life. And uh, you know, I just been blessed and fortunate to meet a lot of people and. Uh, and uh, working there, it was really a great time in baseball when ball players were still role models and, you know, guys that players looked up to and everything, you know, I mean, kids looked up to and everything. So it was just a great time to be alive and be an American at one time. You know, there's still some issues that were being addressed and everything in life, but that, that'll always be, you know, as long as we live, right. there's always going to be issues. Well, I know, I know that uh, you know through, through that uh, experience there, you had the opportunity to, to meet and, and work for Casey Stingle. Yeah, Casey, uh, in 1965, the Angels uh, opened up the 66 season in Anaheim. So I was over at Casey's house. I'd known Casey since I was a kid because I was a bad boy for the uh, Brooklyn Dodger rookies that played in Glendale, and he would come to all the games. And he always was great to the kids. He'd take us out and buy us ice cream and Cokes and, you know, talk to us and talk baseball to us. And so I was over at his house, and he said, Bob, are you going to drive from Glendale to Anaheim? Isn't that a long drive to Gork for the Angels? And I said, oh. Yeah, but Casey, I don't have a job. And he said, why don't you come and work for me? And uh, that was maybe the the best break. I, I said, what would I do? And he said, well, we'll find things for you to do. And then he later named me his business manager. And I was with him for the last 10 years of his life, uh, Paul Berry's funeral. And he working with him was, I, I, it was better than, as I've said before, going to Harvard, Yale, graduating from SC. I didn't go to college. And like people say, where'd you go to college? I said, I didn't go. My college was 10 years with Casey Stingle, and that's through him I got to meet presidents. You know, I met people hanging out with John Wayne, President Nixon, all, all kinds of people I would have never, ever been associated with. And, 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 and he taught me so much in values on life. You know, he taught me that, you know, Casey used to say, you can tell how somebody is by how they treat the people beneath them, not about how they treat the people above them. And, that, and just little things like that, little, little things he always said, 
take care of the little guy. Always take care of the little guy. And we'd be at the Essex House in New York, and there was a shoeshine guy in there in the lobby, and he would always tip the shoeshine guy extra well. He would talk to the cab drivers. He would. He was never. He never big leagued anybody. He was never too good for anybody. And he taught me. I thought if this guy, you know, you know, this guy played with Babe Ruth. You yeah. know, he played with. And he could tell me stories about Babe Ruth and tell me stories about all the history of baseball. And you know, he loved the game. Number one, he loved his beautiful wife Edna. Was like he was married to her for fifty years, and he was just a a, a tremendous role model for me. You know, because and uh, you know. People, Casey was a genius. He really was. He took out those first Yankee teams in 19. He won five straight World Championships, which has never been done and never will be done. In in my at least I won't live to see it done, and uh, I hope I don't. But you know, it's 1949, 50, 51, 52, and 53. He won with Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford and all those great players and Yogi Berra and you know just had great teams and uh, and he was a character and people gravitated to him. You know, the writers liked him, you know, the the fans loved him, the, the players all thought he was a character, you know. So some players might not have liked him, maybe the ones who didn't play as much, you know, but, because he platooned a lot of players. But he used to tell them in those days, at the end of the year, you'll all love me because you'll get your World Series check. <laughs> which, which, which today wouldn't be a big deal because they make so much money today. What's a World Series check? You know what I mean? But right. in those days, I mean, half these guys, you know, you got to remember, Keith, in the old days, half these guys had jobs as car salesmen in the offseason. I mean, Johnny Padres, the great Dodger pitcher of the 55 world, he sold vacuum cleaners in 1968, wow. you know, in the offseason. I mean, during the, he retired one year, and then Buzzy Vivesi called him back to work for the San Diego Padres as a pitcher in 69. But that year, can you imagine somebody knocking on your door and it's, Johnny Potter's the greatest Brooklyn Dodger World Series. Do you want to buy a vacuum cleaner? Exactly. That's the way the times have changed now. Now everybody's, you know, you know what it's like today. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Buzzy Bavese, and I always wondered, uh, did he ever regret uh, getting rid of Nolan Ryan? <laughs> he joked about it. See, I mean, this is what great guys do. They have the propensity to laugh at themselves. Buzzy Bavese... He knew he screwed up, and he, he he would kid about it. You know, I mean, he he would. I, I was I just had lunch with Chris Bavese or, or Peter Bavese, his son, who was a general manager for many years. We we went down, and met him, Norm Sherry, and Al Farrar, and Alan Trammell, a bunch of old ballers. Met down at the Sheraton, down in, uh, and we had a great time with Peter. And we were telling Buzz, Buzzy was a great guy, like all the old guys. Buzzy loved characters. He loved guys to go to the racetrack. He loved. He was always attracted to Willie Davis and Al Farrar and Johnny Padres because they were guys that loved the horse track and. You know, he liked colorful characters, you know, and that's what they, Casey, you know, Casey had made the biggest, he, Casey had a guy named Warren Spahn pitching for him. Now, to tell you a little bit about Warren Spahn, he won 363 games, and he won 20 games 13 different years. He fought the Battle of the Bulge, won the, the Medal of Honor and the Purple Heart, and Casey had him in Boston with the Boston Bees, and he, and he asked him to throw at a guy. Spahn didn't do it, so Casey sent him to Hartford and said he was gutless. And he came back to be the great, and he came back to pitch against Casey with the Milwaukee Braves, and Casey laughed about the, laughed about that. He had the, you know, he could say, "I screwed up," you know, <laughs> and, he, and he laughed about it. He said, "I called him gutless. He won the Battle of Bulge, fought the melt, you know, you know, fighting the Germans over there, and then, then came back and won 363 games. Imagine that, and won 20 games in 13 different years, and didn't win a game until he was 26, I believe." So you know, you look at that, and but see, Casey could make fun of himself. He, he 
I mean, all the brilliant moves he made, everybody makes screw-ups. You know, yeah. we all do. You know, it seems like when I was growing up, uh, especially as far as managers go, there, there, were, there were a lot of characters. I, mean, I remember Billy Martin and, uh, you know, oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of guys, you know, that had that kind of, that kind of spunk to them. Do you think there's uh, anybody out there these days that still kind of have that fire in their belly and, and, and get out there? And, and... Most of them are housemen today. And then Billy Martin, you just mentioned Billy Martin, and I knew Billy very well. He was a pallbearer with me at Casey's funeral. And I picked, I'll tell you a little story about Billy Martin. I picked him up. He was managing the Texas Rangers, and he and Casey, he got mad at Casey because he got rid of him back in the 50s because uh, Dan Topping and Del Webb wanted him to get rid of him because he was taking Mantle and, and uh, Whitey Ford out and staying all, all night with him. He was a bad influence on him, so Casey mm-hmm. got rid of him. And, and he never forgave Casey for that, but they buried the hatchet maybe a year or two before Casey died. And he came to Casey's funeral. I picked him up at, Burbank, at LAX, and he flew in, and, and it was Sunday night. The wake was on Monday at Casey's house. I drove him up to Glendale. He, he said, Take me by the mortuary, Bob. This is like 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. And Casey was lying in Scovern Mortuary on Brand Boulevard in Glendale. I drove him up. He says, wait outside for me. And he goes in, signs the register, goes in. He's in there about 45 minutes. I thought, what is he doing in there? So I walk in. I said, Billy, these people at Casey's house were expecting me because he actually spent that night in Casey's bed. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Billy, and he was sobbing over Casey's corpse. And when I grabbed him, he kissed Casey's corpse. And I... And that's the side of Billy Martin that a lot of people would never, ever know. They think, you know, he's just a tough guy, da da da. You know, and unfortunately, you know, Billy, his drinking, you know, in the end, it wasn't pretty. You know what I mean? He right. got, he should, he should have arrested his drinking problem. But he was a, Billy was a great guy. He just had a, you know, a bad problem with that drinking, and I think it got the best of him at the end. But you know, God bless his soul. He was a good man, and he was loyal to Casey. And Casey started him out. You know, he was playing for Casey with the Oakland A's. I mean, the Oakland. Uh, Oaks in the Pacific Coast League in 1948, and that's what, and so Casey liked him. He liked his fire and spunk. You know, he was yeah. a fiery guy, and uh, he wasn't a great athlete, but he, you know, had all the spunk and fire, and that's what Casey liked. That was a, you know, there was a different style of ball that they played back in those days too. I mean, you know, oh, a, lot, a lot of times, you know, we, we sit here and talk and uh, about the game, and you know, Peter's, you know, he's, he goes to a lot of the Dodger games and stuff like that. And you know, I remember when I was coming up, I would see, you know, see, you know, double steals a lot. Seems like we see a lot more uh, sacrifices and bunts, and and the, the game seemed to be played differently than it's played today. Uh, I don't know, I don't watch as many games as, as I used to, but when I, when I do watch the games now, I just don't, it doesn't seem to be guys taking those types of chances anymore. You're absolutely, I mean, think about the Dodgers in the 60s. That, you know, it's like they never want people to believe that the Dodgers existed before the 70s, but believe me, the 60s was the greatest era in Dodger history. They won the World Series in 63, 59, 63, 65, were in the World Series in 66, were in the playoffs in 62, and what did they have? They had a guy named Maury Wills who, yeah. who stole bases and and was just a, a he and why he's not in the Hall of Fame more political stuff I have no idea but that guy was he he revolutionized the game of baseball he brought the steel back in he stole 104 bases in 1962 to break Ty Cobb's record he you know he he he, he was actually the, the, the you know the Dodgers had Koufax and Drysdale and they'd win one to nothing and the game was one to nothing and they would say like I remember one time Drysdale said up in Montreal they said Koufax pitched a no hitter and Drysdale said who won. You know, mm-hmm. because they, you never knew. I mean, it was Wills would get up, get on on a walk, steal second, steal third. The, the, you know, I mean, that's how they scored. And they, that's in '65. You can check this out. They let they won the World Series, 
and Lou Johnson and Jim Lefevre were their leading home run hitters with 12. Now think about that. They won the World Series, and their leading home run hitters had 12. So that tells you a little bit about the brand of baseball they played. They had great Ron Taranofsky, great relief pitching, Drysdale Koufax, and, you know, they had uh, some great pitchers at that time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Maury Wills. In 1985, I believe it was. Remember when pagers were a big, a big deal? Um, yep. A guy who I uh, actually, he, I, the company sent somebody out to sell, sell me a pager, and it was Maury Wills. You're, what a he, sweetheart of a guy. He, he, I, he, he just moved to Arizona. I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. What a, he's 80 years, I think he's, now he's 81. He looks like he could still play. I mean, he looks in <laughs> terrific shape. I had, I had uh, lunch with him about um maybe six weeks ago down at that Gladstone down in Malibu. Uh-huh. And, you know, everybody, it was great. Everybody recognized him in the restaurant. You know, he's gracious to everybody, everybody as he always was. But, I mean, you know, he just looks terrific. It was just great. His mind sharp. He's, you know, and I'm, he said he moved to Arizona. I guess he's going to be closer where the Dodgers are in spring training. Wow. You know, uh, you, you know so much about Casey, and, and, and I, I wanted to ask you about this because, uh, um, you know, there's books are being written about a lot of these old players and stuff like that. And, um, did anybody ever come to you to come to you with for or, you know for knowledge uh, on biographies or anything like that? Oh yeah, there's a book being written. I've been in Casey had about 25 autobiographies written on even back in the 50s. A guy named Gene Shore wrote a bi- and Joe Durso from the New York Times. All these they've written by, but there's I've been in four or five of them. Uh, one that a guy named uh, David Catania wrote with the Boston Globe that came out four or five years ago. But there's a there's a writer that's was a New York Yankee publicist for many years in the 60s and 70s, and he's written 18 books. His name is Marty Appel, A-P-P-E-L, and he's writing a, like a 400-page book on Casey right now. And it's, it's, he's been interviewing me for the last month or so. Oh. It's going to be called Splendid, the, the Baseball Life of Casey Stingle by Marty Appel. But, um, and he's also written Pinstripe Empire and Thurman Munson's story, Tom Seaver's story, you know, a bunch of different stories. And terrific writer and I think it's great because this guy I mean I've been interviewed a lot about Casey but this guy asked me things like what was the maid's name you know what brand cigarettes did he smoke you know what was his favorite cocktail what was his you know I mean he this guy is really going to the extremes to find out everything about Casey and um, you know and I as I've told him and a lot of other writers that I, I couldn't say a negative thing about him, and I was around him every day for 10 years. So what does that tell you, you know? Wow. He treated all people, you know, I mean, he had his, number, his name in the phone book. Imagine that. You could look up <laughs> Casey Stingle in the phone book and call him. People would come to his house all the time, knock on the door, just strangers. He'd invite them in, show them, <laughs> that, show them his trophy room, you know, <laughs> sign autographs for him. You know, that's just the way he was. He was just a, you know, a real true ambassador, you know. And uh, never, you know, I hear about these guys that never pick up a tab, never picked up a meal. You never, you never had a chance to pick up a tab with Casey. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, he was, uh, uh, you know, what I call a true ambassador. But uh, anyway, it's, um, and I'm, I'm glad they're honoring him with a book, especially an accomplished writer like Mark, Marty Appel. Nice. Let's uh, let's let's, let's uh, change gears here for a second. You're the vice president of the sure. International Boxing Association. Uh, you know, we we talk about the you know the, the state of boxing these days with all the other uh, you know MMA and, and UFC and all those kind of things. But uh, boxing still still going strong, and we you know we, I think we're all still waiting before it's too late to see if uh, uh, Mayweather and uh, Pacquiao ever fight. But what's happening in the world of boxing these days that, that are exciting that uh, and up-and-comers that we should know about. 
Well, there's there's um, there's a guy named Al Heyman. I'll tell you, he's really changing the face of boxing. He has gotten some of the top fighters, and they just signed a contract with CBS. And I mean, some of the best names in the sport, and they're all under Al Heyman. You know, that's who Floyd Mayweather's with. That's who all these other. And uh, they're going to put fights on CBS, world title fights, legit. I mean, really good fighters, not tomato cans, you know. And they're going to yeah. be on t- on CBS. It was just a big breakthrough the other day. But I was, you know, uh, they had a press conference at uh, Freddie Roach's gym in Hollywood on Vine Street uh, Tuesday, uh, announcing this Chinese guy that's won four gold medals, that's fighting for his first world title in China, I guess in March. And they asked Aram the questions, you know, what what's happening? And Aram didn't say anything, but the word I hear is Freddie Roach has told me, he says uh, that Manny, I mean that Floyd Mayweather's in love with the zero at the end of his record. So you know he's forty-seven and zero. So you know, and I've always said great fighters take chances. You follow me? Yeah. You know, Freddie Roach says Manny Pacquiao's been knocked out twice. Why? Because he didn't fight tomato cans and people he knew he could beat. You know what I'm saying? He fought Juan Manuel Marquez and got knocked out. And, uh, you know, then he's fought him three times, you know, and, you know, they've, they're one, one, and one, one draw. And t- but the point is, he's not afraid to fight anybody, and that's what makes you a fighter. But if you pick your opponents, I mean, Manny signed the contract six weeks ago, and he was giving him a 60-40 split. So they were talking about him getting, you know, Manny getting 100 and him getting $150 million for this fight, and the pay-per-views would be the high, it would be three and a half million pay-per-views, which blows away the old record of two, 2.4 million pay-per-views. So, I mean, it would be the biggest fight in boxing history, and why is Mayweather not fighting him? Right. He's 37, Manny's 35. What, are you going to wait till you're 45? And, you know, <laughs> he gets older. You know, Manny's getting older, but so is Floyd. You know right. what I mean? So, you know, the, the point is, why would you rob that of the fans? That's what, that's what fans want to see, the best fights there is. And if you love the sport of boxing like Manny does, he wants to give the fans the best. Whether you win or lose is irrelevant. Yeah. You're getting paid for it. Give the fans the best that they want to see. If you're a true boxer and a warrior, if you're not a warrior and just want to keep your record unblemished, then keep doing what you're doing. He, I mean, I, I, they told me today, Dean Chance told me today, that he bought a, he, he says, what did you buy your daughter when she went to USC? And I said, I can't even remember the kind of car she drove. And he said, well, Floyd's daughter's going to UNLV, and guess what she's driving? And I said, what? He said, a $500,000 Bentley. Hmm. And I said, you're kidding. His daughter is driving a $500,000 Bentley going to UNLV. So more power to him. I mean, you know, that's, but, you know, that doesn't make him the greatest fighter on the planet. Does that make sense? Right. He might be the highest paid, but he'll never be great in my book until he fights the best that's out there. It'd be like if Ali ducked Frazier, you follow me? Yeah. Or Foreman, or, uh, you know, or if Duran ducked Leonard, or Leonard ducked Hagler, or Hagler Hearns. You know, those are what made those guys. You know, the, you, it's interesting you mention that because you know one, one of the interesting things about those those matchups you just mentioned, they, they had more than one fight because you know they they, they would have those that big fight and, and the guy whoever would win says yeah I'll give him a rematch and, and you know a year later or so we, we get to see those guys brawl at it again and it was it was always exciting. Absolutely correct. And you know, it's styles make fights. You know, I, I think I think Floyd's a very intelligent kid. I think he knows that Manny has a very awkward style. He's left-handed, and he has the, the he could knock Floyd out with one shot. Floyd could never knock Manny out. He doesn't have that kind of power. So you know, Juan Manuel Juan Manuel Marquez had that kind of power, but Floyd doesn't have that kind of one-punch power. 
So, you know, it's more of a risk for Floyd, you know what I mean? And, and he thinks, oh, I'm already a millionaire. He probably thinks he's going to be undefeated like, you know, Rocky Marciano or something. But that, what does that mean if you haven't fought the best? Right. I mean, you know, it's like they say in football any given Sunday. I mean, Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. And, uh, you know what the odds were not that. That. <laughs> that was the 70 to 1 odds. Yeah. 70 to 1 odds. Crazy. And then if Mike hadn't been screwing up, he'll admit it. You know, before the fight, it wouldn't have, he would have knocked the guy. You know, and when Mike, by the way, he was forty-three and one when that happened, and that's when they incarcerated him. And he was never the same Mike after that. You know yeah. what I mean? He was never the, three years in jail and came out. But I'm glad. I'm so happy. I love Mike, as you know. I'm so happy to see him doing good in life. He's got a beautiful wife. He's a nice home. He's making money. He's got this stand-up comedy show. He's doing. All, he's got his own boxing deals and he's doing a lot of good stuff so i'm very happy to see him uh you know doing good in life absolutely you know with, with, with boxing uh, you know the, like you, you mentioned a few minutes ago there's different styles and, and people fight you know try to match up so they have the best you know, best advantage in their fight especially if you, if you can be the decision maker but um you know sometimes i watch fights and you say well, it's, there's a lot of scoring and uh but, but to me there's like I believe me, I've been hit by a boxer. I know the punches are solid punches, but realistically, as a spectator, you say there's really no big punches. These guys are, you know, it looks like these guys are just trying to trying to score. Um, you know, as somebody that's who's kind of Floyd Mayweather, that's his style, kind of. That's yeah. His style. When do you ever hear him knock anybody out? Pity pat, He's a great boxer. No, I'm not. It's still called boxing. It's not called punching. Right. It's called boxing. And Floyd is a terrific boxer. I'm not taking anything away from his boxing ability. He's got great natural instincts. But come on, Floyd, let's fight. Let's do the fight that everybody wants to see. You know, then if he beat Manny Pacquiao, then they could talk about him with all. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That would place put him in history forever. You know, and I, that's why I don't understand what what's he afraid of? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, in 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 in, in the boxing game right now, you know, all the talk is about football and concussions and stuff like that. Has any of that popped up in boxing? And and are, are there trying to are there, are there changes in the rules or is, is it a, is it a consideration? I want to tell you something that was one of the most entertaining evenings I ever saw, and you were right there with me. To see Mr. Anthony Davis speak at the USC School of Communications at the Annenberg. Yeah. And that that documentary I saw on the concussions in the NFL, it was, I mean, it really opened my eyes up. Right. And I equated even over to boxing about how the NFL had been trying to cover up these, they had phony doctors. It was unbelievable. Exactly. You saw the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. Then they had Anthony get up and talk about all the stuff and everything. And I thought he was, you know, very, very articulate and well-versed. And, uh, and uh, I just thought it was an amazing, amazing thing that they put on there because I had no, I'd never seen that documentary. I, I had no idea of any of that stuff. You know, they, yeah. that, that, that lady had gone and looked at all the brains and they found her, you know, the NFL wouldn't acknowledge her as a good doctor, yet she'd looked at thousands of brains, you follow me? Exactly. And uh, it was amazing what I saw, you know, the young kids that had had that. And she, I mean, how could you, I mean, that, that says it all right there. And boxers, you know, that's why I always tell these guys, you know, I've had a lot of fighters I've worked with that say, I'll get out when I get my ass kicked. And I always tell them, no, you get out the fight before you get your ass kicked. Well, you, I tell them, what good is money if you can't count it? You know what I mean? Exactly. What what good is it to be worth $50 million if, you, if you're, and a lot of these, a lot of guys I've seen get out and they're fine. Ten years later, they're slurring their words. You know what I mean? Right. Ten years later. So, so in other words, you can get out when you're 35 and be fine. And then when you're 48, you should be in your prime of your life or 50, 
and you're slurring your words and stuttering and you know and and you you get dementia coming on and I mean I've I've seen Bobby Chacon you know how many guys I've seen like that Jerry Corey died of dementia Bobby Chacon is in bad shape now you know I could go on and on and on and Joe Frazier had it uh, you know Ingemar Johansson died of dementia the heavyweight champion of the world from Sweden is a dear friend of mine died of dementia you know all, all these guys Floyd Patterson didn't know his his secretary for 15 years' name, he forgot her name. You know, he was the New York Athletic State Commission leader, the former heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson. You know, and you look at Ali wearing diapers now. You know, and, and he's one of the sweetest men I ever met. You know, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. But it's it, it's a struggle for him now. You know, right. I saw a picture of him the other day. I haven't seen Muhammad. He's been to my house before and been a great friend for years. But I haven't seen him for a few years. And I saw a picture of him on the internet the other day. I didn't even believe it. You know. It was just amazing, you know, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It's always been like that, and, you know, it's, it's really a brutal sport. It really is. I wouldn't want my son to box, you know, even though I'm in the business and I know all the fighters and all. It's just a tough sport, you know. It's, now there's a lot of Russians taking over. I was down at Freddy's Gym last week, and there's like three Russian world champions, the cruiserweight champion, the WBA cruiser, and Freddy Strain, all the Russians. So it's that we, we do have an American heavyweight champion again. Are you aware of that? No. Yeah, yeah, this kid... Uh, Remember the two guys that fought for the heavyweight title at the Galen Center at SC about a year ago? Uh, there's a guy named Deontay Wilder, who uh, a black kid from, I think he's from Arkansas. No, from Alabama. He wanted to be a football player in Alabama, and he turned into a boxer. He's six sevens. He knocked out this guy. He's the WBC heavyweight champion in the world. Now. Wow. wow. And, he's, and he's, got, he's got all the tools. He's tall. He's intelligent. He's six seven, long arms. I watched the fight. He just kicked the tar out of this guy. He was 32 and 0 with 32 knockouts, and he fought he fought this Stiverni guy from Africa and 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 beat him every round, just beat the tar out of him. And he didn't knock him out, but it was almost better that he didn't knock him out because he went the distance, and he looked great, he looked terrific, and he's going to only get better. So I think you're going to have a. It's nice to see an American heavyweight champion again. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a long, long time. time. <laughs> Absolutely, and this guy could be this guy could be good too. He's 29 years old, but that's still young for heavyweight. He could be, you know, he could be a, a you know. A rock, you know, really um, make a name for himself in this sport. Wow. Well, we're well, looking forward to that. And you, you, you mentioned the Galen Center. You mentioned uh, SC. And I know you, you've got a, you've got long, strong ties to uh, SoCal, uh, the, uh, the Trojans. Um, what, what have you been seeing uh, these days? Uh, we, we, you know, we're talking, uh, we talk about uh, NFL draft coming up and and things like that, and you know, changing in coaches and and how the team played last year with the, with, the, with the new coach. And uh, they look like they did some pretty decent recruiting this year. But uh, what are your thoughts on what's happening with the uh, with the Trojans coming up this season? Well, you know, I've told you before. Uh, when I look at SC, I would root for USC if Ben Laden was the coach. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've been an SC fan all my life, and I would I will be an SC fan until I you know until I'm out of here. Yeah. I've always been an SC fan. I grew up an SC fan. I grew up in the '50s watching John Arnett and. C.R. Roberts and all these great players playing, and and I've followed the program. I've been very fortunate and blessed to have many, many friends that played for SC and have been around the program. And and uh, Rod Dato, the baseball coach, was a dear, dear friend of mine because he was one of Casey Stingle's best friends. So and I knew his son Justin, and I know him the whole SC family. But uh, just, it's it's kind of like watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in your new Cadillac. <laughs> you know, when I when I look at the program, I mean, a lot of good things are happening. Now, the number one recruiting class by some experts terrific recruiting class i mean it's fan i think it's fantastic they got some great they got that kid from long beach poly that uh defensive back who's terrific they got the the two uh 
the defensive lineman and the linebacker out of uh, Sarah High School, and uh, that was terrific. I mean, they get they're getting all these guys, and great players. They got some linebacker out of Utah. It's terrific, unquestionably one of their best recruiting classes ever, and so was last year's. You know, I thought. And uh, but you know, my question is, are they, how are they being coached? You know, right. how are they being? Uh, you know, because I can tell you this, and I've said it before, but there's three coaches. Clancy Pendergrass, Ed Ogeron, and Kennedy Palamulu. Now, they have four things in common. What do they all have in common? They all were Trojans. They all got fired. They all were not yes men. And they've all got great jobs now. Clancy Pendergrass is the linebacker's coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Kennedy Palamulu is the running back coach for the UCLA Bruins, who, by the way, had the number one running back in the Pac-12 last year yeah. under his tutelage. And uh, Ed Ogeron is now the, the defensive coach for the LSU Tigers. So, you know, I, I'm i not crazy. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of the players around there, and, and, and I've talked to people that have been there for years. They said they've never heard players complaining as much about assistant coaches. I'm, I'm talking about people that have been around there 30 years. Right. Never heard players talking about assistant coaches you know so then you you got to say there's some problems there you know uh you know you know and i'm not i'm just saying you got to have good assistant coaches you know and if the, anybody should know that it should be the guy that's running the place because he had you know marv goo and dave levy and some great assistant coaches and uh the head coach is yeah he's the guy but he's not the assistant coaches are the ones that really relate to the players and the players look up to you know and i had uh leonard williams they're all-american who will probably be a first, second, or third round draft pick. He told me that Ed Ogeron was the greatest coach he ever played for. Wow. And uh, he, he just recently told me that. So, you know, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, I see what's going on, and I'm not happy with a lot of it, you know. But you, there's nothing I can do about it, you know. You know, I, one thing I've learned is serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, to change the things you can, and to know the wisdom of the difference. You know, in other words, there's certain things there's not, I'm never going to be, but you know, I don't like what's going on at the head up there, and I haven't, you know, and that's just my opinion, you know. You don't, and it's egos, you know, it's 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 like the Napoleonic thing. Some little, you give a little guy power, and he thinks he's, you know, you, you don't fire people, you don't. I mean, you know, he went up to one of the top donors in the school's history, the football fields named after him and goes up to him on a basketball game. I had three other people that were sitting there, and they couldn't believe what they heard. They said, did I just hear this? The athletic director comes over and confronts this guy at a foot, at a basketball game in front of all of his friends wow. about him saying that Kiffin was a bad coach. Well, everybody thought he was. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, the athletic director fired him on a tarpon at the LAX airport. Classy thing to do, wasn't it? At 11 o'clock at night, fired him on the airport. Yeah. So, you know, he, he obviously must have agreed with him, or he wouldn't have fired the guy. But, I mean, you don't alienate alumni like that. You don't, you don't, you don't go up to people. This guy, is, his name is Brian Kennedy, has done more for USC than, than this guy, the athletic director, if he lives to be 600. I've seen this guy take alcoholic, down-and-out players, put them in rehabs. I've seen him pay for things that nobody knows about except me. I've heard of players he's given them tons of money that nobody knows about except me because I knew the players. He doesn't do it for fanfare or to have Fields' name. He does it out of the goodness of his heart. And you go up to a guy like that 
and 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 you're not going to bitch slap that guy around. I'll tell you that. Right. You know, and he, and you don't go up to Lendell White, a guy that scored 57 touchdowns at SC, and have him escorted out of the Coliseum in front of a whole Coliseum and a national TV audience and all of his friends and former teammates and the current team. That is absolutely unheard. You don't go up and come down and fight with the officials at the Stanford game and jump in the coach's arms like you won the Super Bowl. You know, it's interesting, it's I mean, interesting Bob, because, you know, as a, as a fan looking in, and, and, and all the things you just mentioned, we've discussed on our show here. Uh, we're trying to figure out what, what's, what's the deal with this guy. I mean, uh, I think, you know, Ed, Ed Orgeron uh, should have had a shot, and, and I think he was promised at least a, an opportunity to, uh, to, 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 you know, bid for the job. And, I, and my understanding, he, he really didn't get that opportunity. You know, all the other nope. things you just mentioned. Um, and, and I'm sure the president of the university knows what's going on because half the stuff you just mentioned happened on national TV. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I mean, the other stuff, you know, uh, I, I, like I said, I've seen what these people do. And I, I, I know the whole political game. I see, I see what's going on. I'm down there. I'm around there. I, I know what he does to certain people and how he, you know, I, it's, it's so obvious. You know, but it, it's like I said, you know, if he's that, you know, so he got a degree from Oxford. Did that teach him how to deal with people? It obviously hasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, you could get a street guy out of the streets who would be way better dealing with people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there is, there is no. That's uh, what I was. One of the things I loved about Casey, how he treated every. The, the, what did they say about? What did I tell you about Casey? He, the people underneath him. He said that's how you can judge somebody. How do they treat the people beneath them? Right. And uh, you know, this guy is uh, a classic example of somebody that. Uh, you know, I don't know what he thinks with, with, about himself but obviously um, it doesn't bother me one one way or the other what he thinks about himself but when it's inter it's interfering with something I've loved all my life it bothers me does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely, absolutely. And, and and like I said as a, as a fan you know on the outside looking in uh, without without the, the ties just just, just when I, what I could see it's to me. I think the guy ought to be embarrassed by half the things he pulls, but apparently he's not. Oh, I know. And J.K. McKay, who works with him, I never hear a, on the other on this other. I've never heard a negative word about J.K. And that's his best friend. So he he might be. You know, I I never hear anybody. All his teammates liked him. All the guys that played with him loved J.K. I never heard a negative word about him. But uh, for some reason, this guy, uh, I never hear a positive word about him from inside people. So wow. it is what it is. It's interesting because, as you know, uh, you know, we talk to AD a lot, and, and, and AD, he always refers to the, the SC brand. And, uh, and, he, and he talks about That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You, you, Keith, you just hit on it. What, what do you think they got the number one recruiting class for? For the athletic director? No. For the SC brand, the brand of SC. It wasn't for, sorry, because he, he didn't get that in one year, those recruits. It's for the brand they're selling at SC. It's for, it's for the Lendl Whites that was on off the field. It was for all the other players that have been disrespected. It was for all the other, it's the brand that SC made. You know, Lendl White was one, one place short of three straight national championships. Right. You know, was, was, was what made Renji Booth go. And if you don't have respect for him and you treat him like that, what, what would he do to somebody like me? Or you, Keith? You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Exactly. You treat, or, or you treat, you treat a Brian Kenny like that? What? What? And embarrass him in front of all of his friends? I, I, I talked to alumni that are high-powered SC alumni that heard the whole thing. They told me they couldn't believe it, yeah. and I said that guy must really be, uh, you know, you know, 
I'll tell you one thing. Where I went to high school, he wouldn't have made the JV team. I'll tell you that. John Muir <laughs> High School in Pasadena. You know, it's, it's interesting because when you hear, you know, you, you, a lot of times you hear about alumni associations and, and the alumni is unhappy with a coach and then that coach gets replaced and stuff like that. And I heard from more than one person who's, who's part of the alumni there that they're unhappy with the athletic director. But, but it seems it seems, seems that he, he continues to stay. Is it, is it because that it's it's probably it's probably Nikias. I think Nikias has a love affair with him. But Nikias doesn't know a football from a ping pong ball. You know, he's a guy who's not even from America. That you know, he, he's just he's probably just honored to be around Pat Hayden. One of those kind of love relationships. You know, oh Pat Hayden's a Rhodes Scholar. Da da da. You know, come on, you can ride that stuff so far. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what what schooled him to be an athletic director, announcing Notre Dame football for ten years or whatever it was. What <laughs> What schooled him for that? You know yeah. what, what? What? You know. In other words, I, I still want to. I, I actually thought he was going to be a brilliant hire when I first heard. Right. You know, until I've seen all these this calamity of errors and screw ups and bad decisions. And and how about the basketball program? You know, that was another one of these great hires. The coach is three and twenty-eight in Pac-12 games. They don't even mention that because football is what pays the bills. But you know, I, I mean, come on. You know, interesting you mentioned that too because you know every year, every year we expect uh, the basketball program to come up to change and turn around. I think I remember when they got yeah. Mayo, listening Mayo, they said that that was going to be a big change. And a lot of times they do get some big name players, but they they leave after a year, uh, maybe two years, and I don't see when the when the basketball program is going to turn around or if it's going to turn around. And you know, we cross town rivals with UCLA, who's always you know in the mix. I know SC has a problem with, like, even in baseball. They, see, like, UCLA has an advantage over SC because they, if they give half scholarships, it costs a fortune at SC, and UCLA is practically nothing. So where are you going to want to go if you're a kid, you know? Yeah. So UCLA, that's why they've been real good. But SC is supposed to have a good baseball team this year. I hope they do. You know, they're supposed to have, you know, from the Rod Dato days and, you know, all those five straight national championships and all those great things. But, you know, the other thing is, you know, there's uh, there's a book that came out about how much the university I hear had a very poor financial year. Now they're not going to write that in the things, but that's what I've heard from all the coaches they're paying off, from all the you know they've it, it's been. I mean, how about if they were? Why would SC? They're not running a socialistic government over there. Why would this athletic director make the deal to give them equal billing with the other 12 Pac-10 teams? In other words. Do you think that Washington State Cougars up in wherever they're at and what up there should get the same amount of money from major networks as SC does? No, I read. You know, actually, I, I think I know what book you're talking about. I read. I read a part of that book and I saw it's that. A, it's, it's a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and, and, it's, and that, that was a sellout. That was another sellout. You know, in other words, you don't sell SC. SC's the. I would say SC and Notre Dame are the two biggest brand names in America today for college football. And you know, I mean, college. Let's. I mean, I love. I, I told you the other day. I love college football because the SC has been here since 1888. They're not moving to Oakland. They're not moving to St. Louis. You know, my. my I have a younger sister, Teresa, who's 10 years younger than me. She lives in Texas. She loves college football. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the whole. That's everything. She she can talk to me college football better than any woman I know in California because she's been raised in Texas and she knows the whole history of what's going on, what player, who the quarterbacks are at Texas A&M and Texas Tech and da da da. She tells me everything about the coaches and this and I and I love that because I think college football is 
one of the few things in our country that has stayed basically the same. In other words, Major League Baseball we talked about, the NFL, the NBA, the, you know, all these things. But college football still has some kind of innocence to it. Yeah. They still have song girls and alumni and, you know, everybody. It's, it's still a, it's a beautiful thing, I think. You know, and oh, of all the, it's it's my favorite sport. You know, the only reason I watch the NFL is to see what my SC kids are doing in the NFL. You know? <laughs> but but um, I I just you know I like the Rams when they were here. I love the Rams, but you know once they left, it'd be like if your wife ended up nailing the next door neighbor. Would you would you feel the same about her? <laughs> No, they say, oh, let's... <laughs> well, you told me today, you you don't feel the same about the Oakland Raiders. Aren't you an Oakland Raider fan? Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm still, still a fan, fan, but not like I was. I mean, you know, like exactly. they, they, they came here, they, you know, I became a season ticket holder, and they packed their shit and left. Man, what's, what's up with that? Absolutely correct. That's what I'm saying, you know. Well, but, Bob, um, I, you know, it's... it's uh, it's always it's always a great time talking to you, man. There's so, so much knowledge and so much so many things you've done in, in your life, and, and we just really never have tough enough time to cover it all because we can't go into real good detail about any of it specifically. But it, I, I always appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And uh, well, I always love and I and I'm and believe me, through all, thick and thin, I'm always a Trojan fan. You know that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And you are too, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's never going to change. But I can still, you know, because I am, I feel like I could speak on it and. And be pissed off about certain things and and express my opinion on it. And like you said, well, I'm glad you did. You know, because it's, believe me, you're not alone. I hear it all over the place. You know, and but but see, the most most of these writers they can't say anything because they're they're being paid by them. You know what I mean? So, right. You know, so that's why you don't hear more of it. You know what I mean? Because these people are all everybody's yes men, yes men. You know, the last thing I'm going to say that the UCLA if, if SC had UCLA's coaching staff last year, they'd have been playing for the national championship yeah. because. They have great coaches, and no, you know, if you remember, Moore got in a fight with his defensive coordinator Ulrich in the middle of a game on TV, and they were best friends. Yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, but 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 see, he's not a yes man. You don't want to have yes men around you. You know, yes, coach, you're you're right, coach. Yeah, yeah. You want you need some people like that. UCLA, you know, I mean, SC had I thought as good a material as any Pac-12 team last year, and and then for the coach to say they had a great year. A great year after you lost to your arch rival UCLA, got the hell kicked out of you by UCLA. You lost to Boston College, and you lost two games you blew and the hail mary passes oh and stuff. Gosh. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know what he's calling a great year, but any Trojan fan that's been a Trojan fan for a long time doesn't call that a great year. You know what I mean? So, well, you know, real quick, you, you mentioned coaching, and those the, I believe it was Berkovici for Arizona. Yeah, Berkovich threw, threw that touchdown pass. And those guys are just yeah. standing around. And to me, that's just bad coaching. I mean, that's defensive coaching. Yeah. Why would you have Hayes Pollard, who's a linebacker that never played a game of basketball in his life, back there in the end zone with seven seconds left? You put these big, tall guys like back there. You know, the big, the, the, pull, the Dixon kid, the, the, the tight ends. You put those big, tall guys that can jump. That guy, that guy didn't even jump off his feet. If you see the replay, no. you know, they didn't even move. You know, so I mean, are you kidding me? You know, I've heard I've heard they've thrown down the headsets and said, "What do I do now?" Some of their coaches, you know, wow. people have had, told me that have had the headsets on. They said they throw down. What do I do? When did you ever a coach say, "What do I do now?" When did you ever hear a coach, a head coach, call the athletic run out of the out of the grandstands to come down and help him? You know, yeah, I mean, just... it's just a, a comedy of errors. That's all I can say. You know. Yeah. But anyway, I'm still rooting for him. <laughs> well, Bob, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot. As always, always, it's, it's a pleasure okay. to chat with you, and uh, we'll, we'll talk, talk to you again, again soon, brother. brother. God bless you. You too, thanks.
Bob Case of the International Boxing Association. Always, always, never had with words there. No, he's got some ideas and he's happy to share. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break and come back and make some briskies. You're listening to Swoops World on our Talk Story Radio Network. This is Ramakaga. Sincerely, back after this. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Look for a little ride. Now you can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. That's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. Hi, I'm Angela Madsen, and I row across oceans, and I've really enjoyed being a guest here at Swoops World. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network, and uh, we're about uh, four minutes shy of Brewski's beer tasting, and uh, Peter and I will be talking about that here in a minute. But uh, hey, Peter, real quick, uh, um, you know, as a lot of people know, uh, there's some shenanigans going on at the port, and everything's got you know slowed down. And, and yeah. I know you have uh, you have some intimate knowledge about the port and stuff like that, but you also have some int- intimate knowledge about the water. And I'm not. My my question is has nothing to do with the, the the labor dispute, but with all these ships that are really backed up right now and just sitting offshore. Uh, I mean, usually you know there's there's always some sitting offshore. Yeah. But it's probably double or triple out there. Is there is there any damage being done to our uh, off coast our coastal environment? Uh, almost certainly there is. It's probably affecting our our air more than anything else because those ships they're always running they're always running they they need the electricity they need the air conditioning for the crew the crew never leaves they have to be on board uh they very rarely get to come off in a place like like la or long beach and so those things are just constantly running and as we know they're not the cleanest you know (laughs) they're fuel efficient because they're big and they can move stuff and, and all that but the last thing you want is one of those ships one of those ships parked outside like it used to be before this labor dispute i think they were unloading a one ship was taking like two and a half days or something like that working around the clock now it's taking at least 10 days sometimes now it's actually gonna start taking longer but it has been taking 10 days so you've got Right now, last I heard, there's 33 ships out there. At least I, I, yeah. I went for a ride today along the coast there, and and uh, like I told you, it used to they used to usually set to a, a spot that I yeah. can see. They're further down the road, and it looks like they've actually set up like a second row. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's probably not good for the water yeah. uh, because you know they tend to. There's rules they're supposed to follow, but if they're sitting there forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but probably the biggest detriment they're they're causing is is uh, to the air, okay. you know, and all that stuff gets blown in, obviously, yeah. uh, and it's they're burning. It's interesting because you know what, uh, you look out that way, and and uh, and at times, you know, just even when there's no ships there, as far as like seeing Catalina, sometimes it's really clear, and sometimes it's not because of you know the, the fog or whatever you want to call it, um, but. It's constantly looking that way now, so I don't know if that because the air quality is bad or because there's just you know some offshore. That's uh, the thing is, there's so many issues here, yeah. you know, and whether the winds are blowing in or out, Santa Ana's and all that. It's hard to ever peg it <clears throat> to just one thing, yeah. but if those things sit out there, 
longer and it looks like they're going to be uh i i'm guessing that compared to like the average you know during a season and all that they're probably going to find a spike in you know particulate matter um certain kinds of heavy you know metals and whatnot uh and just a general decline in our air quality yeah almost certainly uh especially the longer it goes on i mean uh so you know i was going to ask you that last time we broadcast which is i think it was a couple weeks ago and uh, then things actually got worse than yeah. the, the, the two weeks since then so i actually made a note for myself right here to ask you because <laughs> i know you you know more about that than i do so <coughs> anyway let's let's move on to some happy thoughts hey man it's yeah. uh brewski time. it's mm-hmm. time for brewskis our beer tasting segment right here at swoops row late night sponsored by drinkswinespirits.com so grab yourself a glass pour yourself a brew and join us right now for brewskis sponsored by drinks winespirits.com well happy wednesday and welcome to the most important part of the show the beer tasting part uh tonight we're going to drink something from new belgium uh so they're they're local right they're like aren't they in brea or something like that i think they are i think so i'll look it up closish anyhow oh no i stand corrected fort collins colorado still close ish so it's all relative I mean, you drove right past there the other day. <laughs> um, so tonight, though, that we're drinking their Coca Mole. So here's what they have to say about their own brew: chocolate. Coca Mole, man. Coca Mole. Isn't that what I said? I said it kind of funny, but yeah. I was I was trying to be, you know. Uh, chocolate, cinnamon, and chilies combined for a sweet and spicy burst of fun in this. In this Lips of Faith offering, brewed with deep caramel, dark chocolate malt, and healthy dash of chocolate rye, Cocomale pours midnight dark with a subtle reddish hue, lifting a pillowy burnished head. The coca and cinnamon accompany plenty plentiful ancho, guajillo, I think I said that right, and chipotle <laughs> chilies to bring the mole merriment to the forefront. Starts on the tongue with sweet and finishes with fine-spun heat of peppers. Uh, worldly contrasting glasses. beer will get you dancing with Mexican hats. Mole yeah. for mole! That's how, they, that's how they finish it. Didn't add any of that. We don't get any uh, in there, but they're talking about, um, look on the bottle here, we got a 9% alcohol. So that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. So uh, there we go. I don't know. I'm a little worried about this one. Yeah, you know. We'll see. Salute. Salute. Well, uh, <clears throat> you want to start or you want me to? Oh, you go ahead. Um, you know what? It's uh, it, at first taste, it's got a lot going on. Um, it, to me, for me, probably it's going to be a one-time beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it does have a lot of flavors in it, and you know what? I think it's. I, I, I admire them for taking the, the the chance on this and trying it out. Uh, it's got some peppers. In it. I mean, a little spiciness to it. Um, it's got some interesting flavors to it, and it, to me, it's like a novelty, a novelty item, man. It's like something you pick up, uh, you know, at a, at, a, at a gift shop that, or you know, on vacation somewhere. Weird. Yeah. So, you, so uh, you can bring it back and give it to someone else. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know what? I like. Or, I said, or drink I, it on a dare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll finish it, but uh, it's not something I, I would uh, go seeking out. Uh, and you know, it, like I said, I've only had one taste, but uh, it, it was like a little. Fun little taste, but it's one of those things I can say, yeah, I, I probably won't drink this again. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm probably with you. Uh, interesting, novelty, uh, different. You know, if you, and if you're like one of those people that, especially people that like uh, those those unusual flavors in beer, and and beer is one of those those things that you can add all sorts of flavors. It's and not like this has a ton of different yeah, things going on. Yeah, it's not like wine where it's like you got to use you know water and grapes and yeast and that's it, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, unless you're talking about the germ, German purity laws there. Uh, <laughs> Beer has always been something that people are happy to experiment with, and they did some serious experimenting here. Um, I don't, I, I don't know that I like it, uh, but it's interesting. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you it taste, almost doesn't taste like beer. It doesn't to me. taste like it's, beer. Uh, it's almost like a spiced. I don't want to say rum, but it's almost like a spiced tropical. Not tropical, but you know what I'm saying. It's something along those lines. I'm having a hard time putting it into. A, it, to me, it's almost like. Uh, I don't know. You know what? Sometimes people make like a leftover soup or something. <laughs> they just throw a bunch of shit in there and, uh, you know, throw a lot of pepper in there. And you get that big pepper flavor. Then you go, well, I, I actually taste some cauliflower. Oh, I taste what? And just when you think you nailed what you taste, there, there's something else pops up. And that's kind of get this. I mean, I get the chocolate part. I get the spiciness. I get some of the porter, you know, feel of it. And not, not, it's, not one that kind of sticks that you say, well, I really like this. It's like you just keep getting a, an overflow of different things all each. Yeah. Each and there's all, almost no hops. No, all. there aren't any hops. It's, <laughs> you know, and I, mean, I think that's, you know, they did that because the, the, the chilies were meant to bring that zinginess um, or that sharpness that find, hops bring. I find that part interesting. The, yeah, the, the, it's the interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, just an odd thing. And uh, like I said, barely... It barely tastes like beer to me. Yeah, it's, it's more of a, I mean, it doesn't taste like this, but it's got more of a sangria feel. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I've had, and, and let me say that being a person who does not like sangria. <laughs> uh, but every time I taste a every time I, I, I get to the point where, yeah, I'll try a sangria, because it's always at somebody's party. Yeah. And, and you go, I don't like it. And they go, well, you don't like the way you had it. You, you never had it the way I made it. Exactly. And I throw all this shit in here, you're going to like all this shit. And you know what? I don't like all your shit. But <laughs> that's kind of where I'm getting with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, like it's, I'm, I, I can't even describe it properly. Yeah. And it's definitely not, I, I'm really, I don't think there's any hops in it at all. Do you, but Which, like for me, do you get like two or three flavors each time, all at yeah. the same time, right? And yeah. Then, and then the, the the peppery part it always finishes on the peppery when side. And the smell is just not right. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with the smell. It'd be interesting to see what Tebow would have come up with. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, he he'd have some colorful words for yes, us. He's pretty. He's he's a wordsmith when it comes <laughs> to. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, who is this again? Uh, what are we drinking here again? It's uh, this is uh, New Belgium. Is the and they do pretty do a pretty decent job, don't they? Um, We've had a couple. We've had one or two of these, haven't we? To be honest with you, these guys are like a hit or miss. I either really like it or really don't like yeah. it. There doesn't seem to be much much in between. I think <laughs> that one that they really like is the Ranger IPA. Um, and then there's the Hop the Pond, a double IPA. That's been good. Um, maybe not the Ranger. Is that the wrong one? It looks like the right label. Uh... Fat Tires one I don't like. Yeah, Ranger's the one we drank at one time. Uh, that's a good one. The Fat Tires one I don't like. So for me, this brewery is like, it's all or nothing. And There's, the Fat Tires the one I wanted to try to, I wanted to like. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I got there, like, oh, man, this looks like my kind of beer. Yeah. And it, it was unpalatable. 
The Rangers. Ranger, we've had the Rangers. Rangers very good. So like I said, just I haven't had all that they've offered, but what I have had. Have you had the fifteen fifty four? I don't think so. Um, Portswing, yeah, I've had that. I don't care for that one. So they're sort of, I don't know. I'm, 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 they take risks. They do take risks. I they give them that. Them, yeah. And like I said, for me, they're like an all or nothing. Either I really like them or I just really cannot. And I think this is going to fall into the I really cannot, <laughs> I think. Yeah, like I said, this, this one of the ones where... And I knew, and the thing is, you know, I, I you want, I, I will if I want to get be, get be positive about it. It's one of those things I knew at first taste. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, uh, they they uh, they nailed what they tried to nail uh, right out of the, right out of the gate for me, and I knew it wasn't something that I really uh, fancy as they say. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even ask you what, uh, what we would you. Oh, we haven't even numbers. Uh, scale of one to ten, ten being Ooh. best. I guess I go first. I uh, I'll give it a. Oof. I'm gonna have to go with about a four. Uh, I was gonna go with a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a hard man, bro. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what? I give it a four because of the pepper taste. I, I mean, it's not like I don't usually like flavored beer. I never really like flavored beers, but I, I do. Uh, I, I think that for me, that was a, one of those novelty items that I found uh, you know, pretty cool. That part, that part I can like. I, I go to the hot shop, the hot sauce shop when I'm down at the. Uh, short line every once in a while. Okay. I'll pick up a bottle of uh, habanero sauce here and there. So I'll give, them a, I'll give them a couple extra points for the pepper. So I'll give them a four. Uh, I'm going two. So that gives us an average of three. Three, yeah. Makes uh, our math easy. And I don't even know what you would eat with this, mm. if, if anything. Uh, maybe some yeah, this know, would chips be... and salsa. I don't know. Uh, it's such an odd thing because you the would be. Chocolate would take away from that, though. You would be. You'd be. Yeah, you'd be thinking, okay, uh, I want beer, and then you go and you drink this. It's not beer. Um, there's you know, a flavor in there. I, I can't nail, but it's it's some odd stuff yeah. there. I don't know. I I don't know what you would serve this with. I suppose. I suppose if you wanted to, you know, like meats, it might hold up to okay. You might get some interesting play on the flavor. I mean, this is something I could see like marinating stuff with. You get, you know, if you want to tenderize with that's, the alcohol that's and use of it. <laughs> flavor. You know, you get those flavors that come through. I don't know, though. Those, sometimes those flavors, when they're in uh, alcohol, don't always translate That's into right. what you're... But I don't know. I would think the best I can... The, best, a, the, the best I can come up with this is an appetizer. And the best appetizer I can come up with this, even though it's it's a hot appetizer, is those uh, poppers, those uh, ha- jalapeno poppers. Oh, yeah. You know, they stuff them with the, with the cheese and the... the that fire. could possibly, yeah. But, uh, and then you got the chocolate part, you know. And I think that they might that might mix well. I can't see <coughs> I can't see this with any meal, not with a salad, not with any really meats, unless you said if you could. If it was a little there, sweeter, it could almost be your dessert. But with the, with the peppers, spice, yeah, it takes uh, away from yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm not a beer float guy, but and listen, I've had beer a, float I've with had a beer float, and it was with a, I think it was a Young's chocolate stout or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that worked well, but. <clears throat> this maybe if you you know if you like those odd flavors, yeah. like green tea ice cream, right? Yeah, this wouldn't go with that one. But if you're someone that likes those odder flavors of of ice cream, you might go for like a vanilla with this because then the, these flavors are going to really pop out. But again, I'm not a beer float guy, so <laughs> you know what I think. With this would work. Uh, how this would work? <coughs> this would Excuse work. Me. One of those things. If you're doing one of those meals where you're doing just unusual stuff. Now, I'm not, yeah. like say, and I'm not saying this would, would go with this 
because we were talking about it doesn't really fit with most meats. But like, say you're doing all those things where they're doing offal. Yeah. And so similar to that, if you're doing a, this, we're, we're we're eating bugs, we're eating this. We don't. <laughs> this, I mean, seriously, I think this yeah. would fit in with something like that. If you're doing a lot yeah. of strange to the American well, and the palate, yeah, and the flavors are so odd yeah that i wouldn't serve like a full glass i'd serve some no. like little cordial type of thing like stick, a small stick of fried you know when you go yeah <laughs> when you get uh <laughs> when you go places and you do like those flights right the flights and you get the little flight glasses that's about how much of this i yeah that's probably <clears throat> about how much yeah you'd want to drink of that i think yeah, i think you're right I think you're right, but uh, well, hey, it was worth a try. <laughs> oh, good. There you have it. Another edition of Brisky, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. That's Brisky, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Go there, join the Beer of the Month Club. They will send you a big box. Hey, Dave, what's happening, brother? They'll send you a big box of uh, beer as, uh, each month. Craft beers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, come from a variety of different places. You'll get four different uh, breweries, three beers apiece, and uh, doing so will also help out the the show here. So uh, we want to thank you for uh, checking us out and checking out brewskies at drinkswinespirits.com. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back, and uh, we're about uh, ten minutes away from Anthony Davis joining us on the show. And AD's always got plenty to talk about. We're gonna cover a lot of things in the world of sports this week. And uh, see what he's got to talk about. This is uh, the Heart Pills, this driver's side door. Back after this.
It's not my birthday. Who cares about birthdays? I don't. This is Ronnie Wood of the Stones for Rad. You know it's okay to rock and roll and party, because I do it all the time. Just let someone else do the driving. That's what I do. Remember, rock lives, and you should too. Please don't drink and drive. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. My name is Joe Thompson, I'm 29, and thanks to my college degree, I'm a systems analyst, and the college me would tell you. I wouldn't be here without Big Brothers Big Sisters. My big brother believed in me, and to a seven-year-old, that means a lot. My big brother's name is Phil, and Phil is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a systems analyst. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org, brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. This is Evan from the Bicycle Stand. Stick it in the big ring, and you're listening to Swoops World. And welcome back to Swoops World on a Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, shout out to Dave in the chat room. Good times to see Dave. We haven't seen Dave for a while. It's always uh, always good to see him there. Dave's I want to thank them all of you who listen to us on the uh, Talk Streams Live app, as well as the Swoops World iPhone and Android apps, and all the different ways you can listen to us here on Swoops World. We're about five minutes away from talking to Anthony Davis, uh, former NFL and US, uh, USC football star, and, and he was a five-time national champion. So. We'll have a chance to chat with him about what's going on. And uh, we want to thank Bob Case, as always, for uh, <laughs> for joining us uh, tonight. It's always fun to talk to Bob and hear what he has to say. And, and, and guys, man, he's 
he's worked with some incredible people, and he knows yeah. a lot of incredible people. I mean, you know, sure. it's just pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, just to be in that that line of work and hanging out with those types of people. Yeah. Some good some good luck. You got some beer in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, what, he's had 10 years with Casey Stingle. Yeah. And, uh, all the people we met through him, and, um, you know, I had some extensive talks with him before, and he, he's, he's done a lot with so many different people, and as well as being the uh, IBA, you know, vice president of the IBA, um, and, and, you know, that whole world of boxing and stuff. And uh, he, he's a funny guy and a uh, real knowledgeable guy. And, he, God, he quotes statistics faster than I can keep up with <laughs> <laughs> He's very, yeah, he's in very solid with that. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, Dave's talking to you there, man. I, I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't multitask like that, I, so I'm going to let you I can't go. get <laughs> into the – it you, says I'm here, but you, you, you refresh my... your page and you might be able to – that's right. what I had to do. I had to, I had to refresh my page and then my little uh, – my box come up there where I could actually chat. Yeah, uh, I don't know. In, in the chat room I Signed there. in twice. So, I don't know what's going on. So, as we, you know, as we were talking uh, off air um, – Talk about a small world, uh, you know. I, as you know, I was I was out of town, out of state, uh, last week and a half, and road trip. Yeah, and and I'm in the gym there, and I and I, and I meet this person, and I start talking to her, and uh, and she's telling me, uh, you know, we're just chatting about what's going on, and we end up talking about the radio show and talking about some of our guests, and turns out, remember Kim Perez, who was on the show? I sure do. Yeah, she'd be hard to forget. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's an amazing person. I, yep. I actually saw her in the gym today. Amazing person, amazing athlete. And turns out that uh, V, who I was talking to, uh, used to train with Kim. And uh, so I, I put them back in touch today, so they got to reconnect. And uh, speaking of wonderful athletes, next week, uh, right here on Swoops World, Angela Matson will return to the studio. And Angela is right now, as we speak, training for the 2016 Paralympics. Uh, I know she was out doing her shot put in the day, and, and she's doing her rowing and everything. And so we have a lot to catch up with her. We haven't had her in studio since she got back from uh, her Hawaii role. So we have, right. we have a lot to talk to her about, and we look forward to chatting with her. And uh, that's going to be great because uh, Angela's always interesting to talk to and just an amazing athlete in her own right. So yep, be fun. But, uh, yeah, talk about a small world, man. I'm here, I'm, you know, 1,500 miles away and yeah. meet somebody that I, I mean, the chance meeting. I mean, the only reason we end up meeting because we needed to share a piece of equipment. And then it turns out that, uh, you know, about 10, 15 minutes in our conversation, we realized that we got a mutual friend and one she's been trying to reconnect with. So yeah, that was, that was Funny. pretty cool. Yeah, very, very cool. And, uh, I know as we talked about Kim, uh, I saw her uh, today and she's training for, I think, another competition. She looks amazing. Uh, hmm. She's one of the strongest women I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is so fit and, uh, and so nice. So nice. Yeah, real sweetheart. Show, she yeah. was really very, very nice, great. genuine person. Yes. Peter, why don't you tell everybody about uh, Where to Bike Orange County? <laughs> Where to Bike Orange County is a book I wrote. It uh, covers, not surprisingly, where you could ride your bike in Orange County. Um, Orange County, California. Orange County, California. Yeah, we got to be precise there because yes. there, there are a couple of those places around. Yeah, I think there's um, New York and uh, Florida and probably a couple more. Is it New York or New Jersey? Uh, I don't know. There's Somewhere, a bunch, though. Some of them, Anyhow, Orange County, California, the home of Disneyland, for those of you maybe not as familiar. Uh Anyhow, the book covers uh, 80 rides. 30 of those are kid rides, completely car-free for your, your little guys to 
crash and burn before they master the fine art of balancing on two wheels. And um, when they're ready or you're ready to move on and go to, to longer, more challenging rides, uh, there's another 50 rides, very varied rides from uh, casual four or five mile rides with lots and lots of things to do along the way to much more challenging 50 milers with, uh, you know, hills and wind and all kinds of neat challenges. Um, the book comes with a ride log, a map, companion app that ties right on in there and works with your Google Maps. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great way to explore the county. And if you are looking to buy that book, you'll, you can go check that out at the local, uh, to, you know, L.A. or to Long Beach and Orange County area, the local REIs, uh, local bike shops, uh, Barnes & Nobles are carrying them. Uh, and you, of course, can go to the big interweb place and known as Amazon and get it that way. If you're going to go that way, check out our banner ad on the, on the Swoops World homepages and uh, go that route, purchase it, and be delivered to your front doorstep, and we will earn a few pennies going that way. Check it out. Where to bike, Orange County. Where to bike, Orange County. If you want to get fit, stay in shape, get in shape, train for a specific event, contact our good friend Jack Nunn over at Rowworks Fitness, R-O-W-O-R-X, located at 5750 Boathouse Lane here in Long Beach. You can go to the website at www.rowworks.com or give him a call at 562-688-1716. That's 562-688-1716. He's got indoor rowing, boot camp, personal <coughs> training, and much, much more. Let him know the Swoops Row sent you, and your first week is free. Yeah, see, audible.com, brother. Audible.com. So uh, there's this thing. You can go, download a book, listen to it. Uh, Audible.com. AudibleTrial.com. AudibleTrial forward slash SoupsWorld. AudibleTrial.com forward slash SoupsWorld. Almost got it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm retarded. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I can't get that right. Anyhow, um, Audible has over 250,000 titles. Uh, there's something for everybody to, you know, classics like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings to. You know, Jack Reacher, <laughs> Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher, Jack Reacher novels. <laughs> uh, you know, spy novels. There's something for everybody. Uh, listen to these. You know, while you're working out, travel is I find a great way. You know, you're stuck on the plane and or what you need to drown your kids out or somebody else's kids out. Great way to put in those earplugs in. Long drives, uh, long bike rides. Lots of times you could listen to it. Uh, if you do that and go to that website, your first book, your first download will be free. Yes. Uh, so, of course, we'll also earn a little bit of pennies if you go that route as well. So check it out. And what, what are you listening to now? Uh, let's see. I, I did a lot. I, I got a new credit today, so I, I got to pick up something new. But I, I just finished a uh, another Jack Reacher novel. <laughs> How <laughs> many of those are there? Uh, there's like 19. 19. I think I've done about 15 of them or 16, 15 or something. Uh, the last one I listened to was a repeat. Uh, you know, I went back to the to the to my own library archives, yeah. and I you know picked up a new credit today, and so. Uh, uh, ask me next week. Yeah. <laughs> AudibleTrial.com forward slash Swoops Row. Let's give our friend Anthony Davis a call. Good evening. 
Good evening. We'd like to welcome back to the show uh, our weekly correspondent, as we say, our good friend, five-time national champion at USC in football and baseball, played in the NFL and the CFL and the World Football League as well. Anthony Davis, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. First of all, I'd like to, before we get into our little thing, I'd like to say hello to my lady friend, uh, Colleen. She's had a tough week. She lost a good friend of hers. And I know her sister there, Rini's there, has given her some comforting attention. So I want to say hello, ladies. Hang in there. Absolutely, absolutely. And our condolences also. Uh, yeah. Man, that's, that's always tough, man. Brother, how you yeah. been? Well, as I always tell you, I woke up this morning. Hey, that's, that's, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. That's a good start to the day. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump on in, man. Let's start talking. Uh, I read today that Lovey Smith, uh, coaching your place you played over in Tampa Bay now, he is high on Jameis Winston. They have the first pick of the draft. Uh, I think they had McCown last week, who a lot of other people were looking at. Uh, is Winston a good fit for the, the Buccaneers, or is, uh, is Winston a good fit for Lovey Smith? I think that I think they complement both. I think they complement each other. I mean, simply, if you bring a Jameis Winston into Tampa Bay, I mean, I think if you bring him in, pretty much a lot of different teams, he'll be fine. But since it's Tampa Bay, he's down there. He really doesn't go far. I think I think it works for both parties. Due to the fact that the thing is, you got to always put good pieces around a good quarterback. Right. Because he always had, he already he has everything: the stature, the size, the speed, the mobility, his good feet work. He makes all the throws. You know, he, he, obviously he worked in a pro-style offense when he was at Florida State, and uh, I think this is a good move. And I think Lovey Smith is in the right in the right track and bringing this drafting this kid number one overall. You know, I, I've said a lot, and, and and we've had a discussion here on the show, and let me get your thoughts on it. See, to me, the, the quarterback position is such an important position. I'd like to see a, a rookie. I'd like to see him carry the clipboard for at least a year, at least that first year, uh, and play behind somebody who's got some talent. I mean, I mean, if you got if you got no quarterback, I mean, he's got to step right in. Uh, and and a few have, a few have. I just think it it's just, it puts a lot of stress uh, and struggle on, on a kid who's, who's just coming right out of college and learning this game on the, on the pro level. Um, and it, and I think the ones that to me have really shined in my lifetime that I can think of. Uh, you know, they they uh, they played some backup for a while. Well, I agree with that too. He can hold a clipboard for a year and really learn and set nurture everything. Because remember, this is this will be Lovey's second year in Tampa. Yeah. And uh, and they pretty much can grow together. Now, I would like to see him do that. But you, like you say, you know, based on the pressure and, and and the public pressure, the fan base, they might just want to have him in there right away. But I do agree with you. I think for him overall. If he can just sit a year and learn, that would be better off for him. But, you know, like sometimes they're thrown right in the fire and you got, you got to learn as you go. And and if anybody can do it, I think, even though he's been unorthodox, some of the issues of some of the, the decisions he's made on the field with Jimbo Fisher and stuff like that, I think that uh, he can overcome that and they can talk it out. But if he has to get in there, that would be the big-time pressure. But I'd like to see him with that clipboard one year on the sideline. Nice. Uh, as you as you well know, uh, a lot of talk was that um, <clears throat> Jake Rudin was not big on RG three. 
and uh, he, you know, he he has a different style. I mean, you talk about schemes, and and, uh, and uh, you know, different coaches have different um, schemes that they like to run and whatnot. But uh, Jay Gruden mentioned today that RG three is his uh, is going to be his starter this year. Well, my whole thing has always been the way you know, playing on all levels and stuff. I just believe that RG3 has pieces missing. And you remember also, look, he, he, you got Shanahan, who coaching is a rookie, first two years. And you have a new coach, you change the term. Because when you change coaches, systems change, terminology change, players change. So you got to sit there. You know, a lot of people really jump off the, jump off the bandwagon with him. You know, I, I, did, I totally disagree with that. You have to build your pieces. You got to learn the system. And you got to get everybody. You got to find out what people do in certain situations on the field. You got to find all those little nuances out. You have to find all of that out. And if you don't do that, you know it's a discredit to the organization how people criticize these quarterbacks because it takes time. You know Rome wasn't built overnight. It fell quick, but it wasn't built overnight. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you got to give someone time. And he's coming off an injury. It's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of variables in RG3, RG3's uh, situation now. I mean, you got to have time. You got to get in sync. The coach has got to be in sync. The players got to be in sync. You know, when you go in a game situation, these guys got to be on sync. You got to be able to know what certain guys do in certain situations on the field. If you don't do that, you're gonna have problems, which they did. Takes time. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Speaking on, on the same on, on the same you know subject. You know, we talk about systems and and and, and being on the same page and syncs. Gary Kubiak has taken over the, the, the Denver Broncos. Uh, he plays a different style of game uh, than what uh, you know Peyton Manning's used to. Peyton Manning's planning on coming back uh, today. Kubiak said that he he you know he welcomes that. He said that he's going to have to put some terminology into what he's used to uh, that that Peyton has been using over the years uh, you know, into his play calling. He likes to call the plays, uh, but you know he's willing to kind of give. Peyton Manning some, some leeway there because, you know, the guy's probably, he's going to be a first-round Hall of Famer and whatnot. Uh, there was still talk last year, midway through the season, that he still had an opportunity to be MVP. What are your thoughts on uh, on, the, on the coaching change uh, at Denver, and, and how does uh, how does Kubiak fit into that, to that team, and how does uh, Peyton Manning going to fit into Kubiak's system? Okay, first of all, we have the same situation like it is in Washington, but not as, not as disastrous. Because of the win-loss with both organizations, here's the same thing. You got another coach, another style, and here it is. In, in Peyton Manning's career, what he needs to do, and what I would do if I'm head coach, I would let Peyton become more of a manager on the field. Because you need, you need. In other words, you need a run game, a lot of play action, and you got to go away from what Peyton Manning is traditionally doing. He it's all Peyton Manning. It starts and ends with Peyton Manning. I think Quebec's going to want to change some of that because you got to remember. You remember when John Elway and Terrell Davis, he won two back-to-back Super Bowls. I think what they have to do is do what John Elway did to tell him his career with Peyton Manning with a strong running game, an emphasis on running the game and play action off of that. And if they don't do that, it's going to be the same old uh, situation with Peyton Manning, and you you know how it is. If you pressure Manning, and you make him do things he's not normally normally does, then in most cases he gets defeated, and, and it's proven in the playoffs. And anybody that's played against him, I just believe that, that you know you're gonna you have to get in sync because it's a new coach. But also, I think they need to go away from 
the total domination of the pass game with Manning. You know, you got to you got to definitely blend stuff now, and you definitely got to emphasize on the run. You got to live and die with the run now, and you need to pass to compensate the, the, the run game. And uh, I hope a lot of people listening can understand what I'm talking about. Just look at this. Just look at everything around the league. You know, Seattle has it. I don't know what they can do in the Super Bowl, but they have it. Uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady up in New England, they do it. Uh, and then a lot of people run. That's what they have to do. I believe. I believe through Peyton Manning's career, if he had a similar situation like that, I think. He, I think he might have a couple more Super Bowl championships. But it's, but most emphasis has been put on him with the pass game. That is it. Now he's a field general and he's very intelligent. But I think the missing link was that he has not emphasized on the run game, and they have to do that now to fill in. Do you think that's you know? Let's go back. Let's go back a few years. You, you, you know, you talk about the Dolphins back in the seventies when Greasy was quarterback in there. You know, he he had Zonka, Kick, and Warfield. When Marino was there, who was leading, he was putting up astronomical passing numbers and and and, and throwing touchdowns and whatnot like that. Really didn't have a run game to complement his game, and he really didn't get the, the Super Bowl wins that people expected him to get. you think Peyton Manning and, and Dan Marino are in similar situations? Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is, you got them in the 70s with, with, with uh, Jim Kick, Warfield, uh, Mercury Morris, uh, Marlon Briscoe, uh, Marv Fleming. You know, Bob Greasy was a manager. Look at all those weapons around Bob Greasy. They threw it to Warfield. They threw it to Marlon Briscoe. They ran it with Zonka. They ran it with Kick, Mercury Morris. He had a, they had a balanced attack. And I, for some reason, I don't know why, the Shula team with Dan Marino, if Dan Marino had a, 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 for more, uh, had a great run game, Dan Marino might have two Super Bowl championships. Like I've always told you, you live and die with the pass. You just can't do that. you gotta have, you, you have you got to have a mixed, balanced attack throughout your offense. If you don't have that, you gonna live and die by that, and that and that's the same situation with uh, uh, at least Manning got one, Reno didn't get any of them. Yeah. But you but you see you see the Forty ers Raffman, Roger Craig, they all had it. The Steelers, Franco Harris, Rocky Ballard, along with the past with Swan and Stallworth. Yeah. You know all the great ones. You 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 see it all. You know even with the Redskins, you know Joe Gibbs team, they had to pass with the run. Every you know every successful team, exception maybe with the Patriots. They beat him with that arm, but as a whole, you got to have a balanced attack. And, and Marino did not have a balanced attack with with the uh, with the, uh, you know, he had Duper out there and he was throwing to him, and, and it was a great combination. But at the end of the day, you had a lot of records, individuals set records, but teams win championships. Right. I can't remember what the coach. There was a coach years ago who said. Uh, uh, when you pass, three things can happen, and the two of them are bad. <laughs> so yeah, you do need a balanced attack out there because uh, you know there's there's so many uh, so many variables once you once you put the ball up in the air. Well, absolutely. I mean, you you if you're just throwing the ball and you and your forte is a throw, 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 you better make sure everything's on target. If you make a couple of bad mistakes, it's going another way. And and and, and you've seen that with the, with the Marino years. Great flair, you know, great stats, always there. But it was always that mix. It did not have that run game, that, that dominant run game. You got to have it. Yeah. You got to have it. Well, um, let's talk about your alma mater, man. Uh, uh, 
Jack Del Rio, who uh, is an SC guy. He's, he's down at the Raiders now. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about what, uh, what he can bring to that to that franchise who's been struggling for quite a few years now? Mm-hmm. I don't know how many coaches they've had in 15 years, but I can tell you, all I'm telling you, the general manager there, Mark Davis, and the, uh, Cliff Branch, if you, if you listen to me, you tell Mark, give this man all the time he needs to rebuild the team. I mean, look, 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 look at uh, McFadden, the running back there. Yeah. How many coordinators have you had in, what, six, six years? Six, I think he said five, five and six years or something like that. That's unbelievable. I mean, how, how do you have a functional organization you have to change the coach? You can't do that. And you especially can't do it on that level. I mean, first of all, when you get rid of one coach, you gotta learn. you got to learn that system on them. I think they've had three or four systems since he's been there. You just can't do it. Terminology is all, football is all the same, but terminology changes the game from organization to organization. You just can't, you just can't have, you can't get rid of coaches like that and expect to be successful. And you know, and, and, and of the Raiders, especially when I played in the Raiders with the powerhouses, when they won three Super Bowls in the 70s and 80s, I mean, they were a very intimidating and strong team and strength organization. Now, the dysfunctionality is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They have great players. But if you don't have a system, and like I've always said, you win Super Bowls in the front office, not on the field. And they better give Dale, they better give Dale Real all the time he needs because he is a good coach. Let me ask you this. Defensive-minded, but he's a good coach. Let me ask you this. You've been in the game a long time, and you, 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 you've studied the game a long time. Do you think Jerry Jones – and his, hear me out here, change the way things are because, and even Al Davis a little bit, uh, it used to be, you know, with the exception of maybe Al Davis, most owners you really didn't know that much about and, and the coaches seem to be uh, kind of in charge of things. Now, I know that the main office runs, runs things and, and sometimes they, they do some inputs and coaches aren't happy with drafts. But, you know, you had Jerry Jones, he was on the sidelines, uh, you know, and these guys were, you know, before the game was over, and things like that. And I, I wonder if that kind of changed the game and changed the way coaches coach and the ability for a lot of coaches to, to, to coach, uh, you know, and, and have the free will to, to make decisions out there. Well, sometimes, you know, some coaches, head coaches get a little intimidated by the only balance on the sideline. But, but, the, but the bottom line, it's just a rarity with, Jim, uh, with uh, Jerry Jones and with Al Davis. Al Davis was hands-on, Jerry Jones' is head-on. I mean, that's their style. I mean, uh, obviously, when Jimmy Johnson was there with the Dallas Cowboys, for example, I mean, he was uh, he was the one running the show. And then I guess when uh, Jerry Jones got involved, that's when the conflict started coming down before Jimmy Johnson left. Yeah. But the bottom line is always out, and, and, and people call Jerry Jones the modern-day Al Davis and how he runs stuff. But, you know, uh, you got to remember, he was almost there. He was close. So, I mean, he has his team. So I'm just saying if, 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 if he has a hand on the, on our organization, what he has, and that's his style, and everybody's bought into it. I mean, it, it is what it is, and he can you can win with that style, hands-on approach, owner and general manager. And I know I know it could be difficult in some situations, but that's the way he runs the organization, and he could win that way. I know I know it could be pressure of the owner being around like that. Right. But uh, I still have to respect him because he won. He's got you know he's got three Super Bowls under his belt, and it's been a long while since they've been there. And it's been a long way since the Raiders have been there, but you know Al Davis did the same thing. And isn't it ironic that 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 those two are similar? And between them, they have six Super Bowls. 
<laughs> I mean, he got three and three. And Jerry has the opportunity to turn it around. I mean, I met Jerry, and, of course, he, you know, he was at a – he actually saw me play against Arkansas, and, and, and I was at the, night, the 2000 Super Bowl, and, uh, and we talked and conversed. But I can tell you that uh, he's a hands-on owner. A lot of people are critical of him for that because a lot of people think you need to be up in your owner's box and, and just let him run the show. And, see, he's the total opposite with Kraft with the Patriots. It's all Belichick. Right. You know, Kraft doesn't even talk to Belichick. Don't deal with him. If, 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 if they get together and they talk, and all really Belichick is pretty much doing is, is telling him what, he, what the moves he's going to make for the organization because he lets him totally run the organization. We're totally opposite in Dallas. Jerry Jones, it runs it. It ends. It starts and ends with Jerry Jones, period. Jerry World, Dallas Cowboys. That's all, <laughs> it all starts with him. <laughs> Uh, and somebody who really, uh, you, know, you know, you and I have spoken a lot of times, and we, and we talk about some of these kids that, that, that make some bad decisions and whatnot. Um, but as a Raider fan, this one, this and Peter can attest to this, this one that really, that really hurts. You know, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, uh, playing against a coach who, who coached them the year before, you got guys that didn't even show up for the game. I mean, they stuck in Tijuana or party too much the night before. And whatnot. I mean, as a professional uh, in any business, you got to show up for work, and you got to be ready to go. Um, and it seems like after that, after that event, they have just really never been the same since then. Uh, do you, was there something that triggered something at, at that event in San Diego that year that has really carried on with this team over the years? No, I just is one of those deals. I mean, uh, you, I, 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 I think from a football philosophy standpoint, Gruden had knew a lot of stuff, and and, and and simply, when Gruden left, left the Raiders and went to Tampa Bay, sometimes he ran, they ran, the Raiders ran into a buzzsaw. Having a guy who used to be at the Raider organization, with some of the things still was in place, and he knew pretty much how the organization ran, and no one expected Gruden to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. You see, so there was a lot of familiarity there with Gruden, which dribbled down through his coaches and players. And I think that's what it was, just one of those things. You know, they just dropped off the, the football radar screen after that year. I mean, yeah. it, it happened something like that. I mean, and then it was just disgruntled, and a lot of people thought the Raiders should have won, but it didn't happen that way. So uh, I just think it started deteriorating, you know, not because of the way they got beat, it's because of the internally with the Raiders, period. <laughs> As far as coaching goes, uh, best but the coach, reason the, 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 the Raider problem has been the changes of coaches. You just can't do that. That's one of the biggest issues. Right. You see that that that, that that's that's always a learning curve when you get new coaches in. You know, conflicts of 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 of, of, uh, of personalities, conflicts of of system. You know, the coach has been on the same page in certain situations. So that's always that's been the Raiders' problem and everybody else's problem when you when you change coaches like that. And that's in any business. If you change stuff in any business like that, there's different plots how you run operations and, and, and business and operations all the time the same way. You know, you, you, you mentioned, we, mentioned, we mentioned Gruden. I'm, I, I was a huge Gruden fan. I loved him when he was with the Raiders. I like I liked his style. I like what he has to say when I hear him, uh, you know, uh, announce games and whatnot. In your opinion, who's the best coach out there that's not coaching right now? Who's not coaching on the professional level? Yes. Who's not coaching in pro football? 
Well, not, not a head, head coach, coach in college football. football. He, he could be a, he could be a coordinator or something. But who's as far as a, the, the, a guy who who could take a team and has the, has the talent and the ability to to to, to uh, you know take a team to the next level. Uh, but you know, it's not a, not in a head coach spot right now that you that you know of. Who, who do you think's out there uh, has has a good shot and needs an opportunity needs an, an opportunity or another opportunity? Huh. that's a tough one. The great <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, if it's not on the professional sport, if it's not on the professional level, this, I mean, I could say a college coach that that, that that can do it, but he's college. He's coaching in college. Who would that be? That's good. That, that's that's Harvard. He's with Michigan, but, but but you know, he he's one that can do that profession. But he has a coaching cop because he's in college football. Right. But 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 outside the he he's the one that can do it. You know, but he's in the college ranks. Well, but I'm saying, a, a, that's, fine. Quote, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, let me ask you this: then. Uh, is, was, was 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 his issues with ownership at, at, at uh, San Francisco, or did he just really was he did he really just want to go back to uh, collegiate level? I think it was. You know, I think it was ownership with San Francisco. They clashed big time, and then opportunity with the fact with with the situation with with Michigan. It happened to be his old alma mater, and uh, and the fact that. That, that you know they 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 fired the coach and he was there and the situation for the four days everything was timing for Michigan and Michigan jumped right on it and offered him the world and that that's how it happened but 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 as far as I'm concerned there's that was management and you saw it you saw it and it, and it, it reflected on the the, the the field of play you see so that's why I say that this guy could do it on the professional ranks and do it real well, wherever organizations went. Right. He's a, he, he's a guru of turning stuff around. I mean, he'll do that at Michigan, but he's going to have a tough time at Michigan because you got, you, you, you got, you got Urban Meyer with Ohio State. And to knock him off, that's going to be a battle, and I want to see that. But I believe he can do it on all levels. It's going to take him time at Michigan. But he can do it in the National Football League right now. Yeah, yeah, you know he. Uh, I like I said, I'm not a big fan of of him, but obviously he he does have the chops. Uh, he's proved it. Uh, he's proved it pretty much on every level that he's coached. Uh, his brother, his brother has also. So uh, you're probably right there. Uh, you know, somebody in the chat room mentioned uh, Shanahan, uh, another guy I'm not a big fan of, but he has proven himself and uh, not in, not at Washington, but he he did he did some remarkable things at Denver. And uh, I think that that goes back to what you well, talked about. You talk about the system, and you talk about the right players and the right fit, and, and all you know the stars and the moons lined up for him when he left the Raiders and went to Denver. But 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 in defense of Shanahan, you can say whatever you want about him, either pro or negative about him. The bottom line is he proved with a Hall of Fame quarterback with the missing piece, who was the innovator of bringing in a great runner in Terrell Davis and won two back-to-back Super Bowls. Okay, and, 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 and it's not too many people in his category did back-to-back. And so he's proven that in the right situation with the pieces, he can do it. And with proper ownership, he can do it. So, and he's, he would be my second choice with Jim being in the game. That's how much respect I have for him. You can say what you want, but he's proven that. And I'm thinking coach is going to say back-to-back. <laughs> Well, I do. I do like uh, watching that that that, uh, that clip of him talking to Terrell during the Super Bowl, where Terrell says, "I I, I can't see. I got a migraine. I can't see." And he says, "Yeah, I don't need you to see 
Because you're not getting the ball anyway. We just need you in the we need you in the decoy. That's classic. classic. He just wanted him out there just just a threat of the run. So yeah, I didn't say you know, that's how much, that's how well they were established because his presence is that you know, wow. Are they going to hand it off to? To, to Davis, and he's, in the way his in the way his system was built, is downhill running. So that's all he was talking about. I don't need you to see. <laughs> Just get out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, Pete should have seen that before, that before he made, made that, that call in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little, a little, a little decoy to uh, 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 Marshawn might have worked. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what Pete was thinking about. I know he's rationalizing out about all that. So that's just amazing. You got a beast like that in the back. So come on. I mean. I know Pete, I love Pete, I know what he's about, but I don't know what he was thinking about then. I really don't know. I just don't get it. <laughs> no one knows. Uh, <laughs> did, did you uh, did you read the, the, the Marshawn? He he might not come back. Apparently, uh, um, of course, Seattle wants him back. Uh, there's talk of him, uh, you know, he's from Oakland. Talk of him finishing his career in Oakland. Uh, apparently, he's had, he's had back issues, and he's deciding whether or not he wants to continue to play. I don't think it's a ploy for any reason. I, uh, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy to me. But um, we're still unsure. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the, on, on the beast? I don't know. It, 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 you know, he doesn't really talk that much. He doesn't really communicate that much to the public, which I respect him for that. And uh, who needs to know all his personal issues? But the bottom line is, if, if there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know, they'll come out. If he wants to go back home, the Raiders interested him. I mean, that'd be a good move. But I mean, McFadden him would be a, a good one-two punch there in Oakland. I can tell you that if they get in sync, that'd be a pretty good place for him if he wants to leave. But I mean, I don't know if you want to leave an established situation in Seattle. And I don't know whether or not you know you got a lot of rumors that uh, that uh, that him and Pete really don't get along, but they have a good public face. You just never know what's going on. I don't you know I don't go by hearsay of rumors or innuendos about people and stuff. But the bottom line, he's done well in the league. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's one of the best runners in the league. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna go down as one of the greatest playoff players in the league, in, in in playoff history. So let's wait and see. He could be in Oakland or he can be up in Seattle still. But I know if you don't have a sustain a good NFL run, football season run, you're gonna need a Marshall Lynch. You're gonna need Russell. You're gonna need those two pieces in that backfield, or then they're gonna definitely alter the way that the sales Seahawks play on offense, in my opinion. You know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, last week, that I believe it was last week or the week before, that, you know, you thought Lynch was the, the best runner uh, in the league uh, as well as Adrian Peterson. I read a thing today where the, uh, the Vikings GM expects Peterson to be back this year. Uh, your thoughts? Well, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate he had that situation with the off-the-field thing with the child abuse issue, and uh, and I know he's got a patch of some things there. I mean, if he can come back and and uh, work good, I think I think it's the two pieces of Bridgewater and him can work if they have other pieces around him. We just have to wait and see on Peterson. I mean, he's up in age, so he still is a beast, and I feel the two top runners in the league would be Lynch and him. But the bottom line is, is, is how they're going to fall in sync. It's just like uh, you know, every year is different. He's a little older, and and and, and I, I think when you when you lay off for a year, that changes yourself a little bit. You know, you got to really work to get back in that in that rhythm. And I know a lot of people say, well, he's only been off for a year. He can heal his body. Well, that's true, but it's, it takes a little bit away from when you stay off the game that long. 
know, you you got to be an oil machine always. But I think with the Vikings, with some other pieces around him, I think it'd be, I think it'd be great going back. And you know, there's been talk also about him being with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, there's rumors out there the fact that he could be with them. Uh, that'd be unbelievable if he could be with the Dallas Cowboys. If they don't get if they don't work out a deal with DeMarco Murray, uh, who knows? I think he'll take a paying cut to come to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That's just a rumor, but I can say that that can happen. And if they can have those two as a one-two punch, if it, does, it doesn't screw up any uh, cap issues with the Cowboys, I think that would be a good thing to, for that, too. Yeah. But going back to Minnesota with the right pieces, he'll be a beast there. Peter, as, as you well know, as well I well know, you know, AD, he's a, he's a man, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, big living, high society kind of guy, and uh, I know he uh, he heads on down to Pasadena every once in a while and, and has a nice meal. Uh, and I was talking the other day, and you said you uh, you discovered a new place down there. What's the name of that place that we were talking about? Abercot. Abercot. Yeah, there you go, Apricot. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 let me tell you about Apricot. You know, my, my lady friend uh, liked that place. Is, you know, because the food is healthy. I mean, I go down there, and they have, they have a burger down there that's unbelievable with salad. And, and I tell you, I go there and eat. I go there, and the guy, the guy that serves me there, he's, he's on top of his game, great hospitality. And I can tell you that, you're talking about a healthy meal, and the prices are reasonable. I mean, really reasonable. I mean, if you, if you the food that was served there, if it's anywhere else, it'll be double that. But it's reasonable, yeah. unbelievable. So they have some great dishes there. So if you ever been passing, go 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 to there and sit there and tell them I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Eighty, you know, and, I, and I know you got some little horses in your family. I'm sure if, you, if they get over there, you know, they, 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 they wouldn't kill your pocket. I can tell you that. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can put some bets together. Maybe, maybe if you if you if you ever win a bet, maybe you can go. Uh... <laughs> oh, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> you know, maybe uh. <laughs> I got to remind me to hit the, hit the archives. I think he still owes us. I, I know he I, does, so. I know he did pick the right thing, but I thought he said somebody he was going to take us regardless. So I'm going to hit. I'm going to be digging through the archives. And you know what? As well as that, you know, AD. I know AD. You know, he knows everybody. Well, so, I could take you know, I could take you, I could take you out to Apricot there. I can give you a, I can give you both a sympathy meal. <laughs> uh, you know, a, you know, a sympathy m- meal. Okay, it's sympathy. <laughs> I feel sorry for you, Neil. <laughs> hey, we ain't too proud to bang, bro. <laughs> You know, he t- we, we were chatting the other day too, and, and he was telling me because AD he, he he's, he's taking these supplements. He's he's big, you know he's got the book out, which is on the homepage of, of our website, and we're gonna get the name out. It's a uh, kickoff kickoff concussion: How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain. You need to go there and check that out. You can order it off our homepage. But he does all the stuff that makes himself healthy now, and he was talking about Horizon. Uh, Organic. Now I know Horizon Organic because I, I used to give my uh, my kids like to drink that little, little milk 
Well, the reason, you know, things with, with the combination of my supplements, what I take, uh, and, you know, this, this uh, Horizon Organic is great because they have the omega-3 in it, and, uh, and, 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 it, and it really complements the, the supplements I take. I mean, it's a, and since we're talking about brain health in particular, with, especially with the NFL study and all stuff I take with Dr. Amen, uh, and, you know, what for, you know, just your body with the fish oil and the, the blood flow problems you've had with when you had sustained concussions and stuff like that. And, you know, you, you're in the healing process. So, you know, I discovered this. I actually talked to the people about it. I complimented them on their product. And, and I and I recommend everybody taking this stuff, especially young kids growing up because, you know, that omega-3 is very important. I mean, I wish it was around when I was coming up. Uh it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You can tell the difference. And, it's, you know, in a lot of times you got a lot of hokey-pokey stuff that people say your products work. But I can tell you, this stuff really works and it's good and it's nutritious. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's not that much stuff out there today on the market, they say. You really got to do your homework when you start putting stuff in your system, down from the, from the food to the supplements, whatever. And, I've, and I think i found my niche in terms of all that. It's taken a while, but I have. That's why once I ever find out about things, I want to spread it to the community and everybody else is listening. I mean, uh, you know, Horizon Organic, check it out, pull it up, Horizon.net, Horizon, what's it, HorizonOrganic.net. Dot com. Dot com, excuse me, not dot net, excuse me, dot com. <laughs> and uh, you can pull up and read all about it and hear about what they're doing and what they have to provide to the public. It's great. I'm telling you. Before, before, we, before, before we wrap, wrap up, up I just, I, I'm, I'm just, just curious. curious. We, we, we talked, talked about, about something a couple weeks ago. ago. And I just, I, I know you've been following it uh, with all the, with all the, uh, we were, we were, you know, we were talking about all the, the, the signings and, and these, these athletes finding the universities and their recruitment and stuff. The kid, uh, Wes, uh, God, what was Wes's last name? Um, Wes Massett. Wes Massett. Has, has, has anybody picked him up? Has he, has he, has he selected a school yet? What, what's, what's happening with him? Because the kid is a, an outstanding, uh, you know, from the highlights I've seen, he's an amazing quarterback. And I'd like to, like to hear some good news about him. Have you heard anything about what's happening with West? First of all, he's still, he's still looking at some different schools, and uh, he's probably thinking about the JUCO route, and then also one year he put some things together. But he's looking at different schools now still. But you're right. I mean, this kid, has all, he has all the ability to do it. He's everything. I mean, you know, like I said, 6'2", you know, 195, 200-pound guy, still going to get bigger and can move. He's mobile, great feet. He's just looking at a lot of schools now, and uh, and I don't like, I hope he picks a weapon to showcase his ability. But I tell you, from here on out, I'll definitely be promoting what he's about because I was very impressed with this kid, what he could do. Ad, as, as always, always, a pleasure to be able to chat with you, and uh, we'll be back. We'll be chatting with you again next week, and uh, get your uh, get your insight and thoughts on what's happening in the world of sports. Thanks a lot, brother. Okay, thank you. Take it easy. The great Anthony Davis, everybody. Uh, you know, USC and the NFL and whatnot. And get a chance. If you want to see some uh, some outstanding highlights, go to YouTube, Google Anthony Davis USC, and, uh, and, and watch this guy just destroy uh, different, you know, just his, his running ability and whatnot and uh, what he did against Notre Dame in two or three games, uh, two games specifically. It's amazing. He had six touchdowns one game, and mm -hmm. you know it's amazing feats of athletic ability. And get a chance to check him out. You're listening to Swoops for All on the Talk Story Radio Network. This is Chris Volak, the Ready to Fly. Back after this.
My name is Ruth Rusi, and this is how I live United. I read to children as part of United Way's education program. It helps them create links between language and literacy and prepares them for a better academic future. I figure I have the time and they have the need. My name is Ruth Rusi. I help kids prepare to succeed in school. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. This is me and Nasty, and I'm a Virgo. Yo, LJ. Gemini. You're listening to Swoops World Radio. Get with it, but get lost. Very lost. Swoops World. Yeah, we in here. I mean, sit next to me. <laughs> so this is how we do it. Listen. Okay, vibe with me as I speak. You witness and the legend. Black J, we repping 102 DIY to the depth. Ain't no crutches on me. Welcome back to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, we want to thank AD for, uh, for joining us as always. Uh, it's always a good time to ch- chat with him. Anyway, Peter and I were talking off the air about, um, you know, uh, I was in Oklahoma, and uh, so I, I yeah you're right I, I didn't take my bike because it was forecast like the first couple of days were going to be kind of warm, but then the next few days were going to be cooler and it looked like 59, you know 58, 59 degrees. What was that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we got prowlers in the area here. <laughs> Oh, just in case. Let me just stop. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> this here. Just be closer here. Anyway, uh, but honestly, uh, when they were in like the mid fifties and, uh, and uh, you know, mid to high fifties, mm-hmm. I was still in shorts and t-shirt, and sometimes a short and a, and a sweatshirt. Now on a bike, you know, but but I had my my leggings and stuff. I, it, bottom line is, I could have ridden <laughs> most days there. Had you brought? Your bike. Yeah, had I brought my bike. <laughs> here's the thing, Saturday. It got close to 80 degrees. Oh, okay. Uh, it was a day I went to the museum. I told mm-hmm, you about mm-hmm. Sunday night, it was snowing. Wow. <laughs> it's like That's Saturday extreme. got close to 80 degrees. Sunday morning, it was 23 degrees. Sunday night, it started snowing. Rain came. And the next day, it was uh, Monday morning, which is the day I, I came back. It was uh, <laughs> Total snow. Total snow. I actually took a, took a picture of uh, this was uh, this was Sunday morning. Man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, yeah, you talk about uh, like real weather big, there. Big, big, yeah, big, <laughs> big, big, big quick change in the weather. There. They, the thing is, they said it was coming. You know, that's the that's right. what's in my car there. But uh, yeah, that's all ice and, huh. and just. Uh, so yeah, bottom line is uh, out of the uh, like eight days I was there, I could have probably ridden uh, five days comfortably, you know, semi comfortable. Right. 
Um, but uh, you know, whatever. I, I I still I hit the gym, hit the stationary bike, and the erg. There you go. <laughs> this is the time we would normally be doing uh, T-Bone's Time Out, but T-Bone's not going to be here tonight, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick up on that next week. <laughs> but uh, just real quick, and uh, Peter and I uh, cover a few things. We'll probably wrap up a little early here uh, because we don't have that many words uh, in a, as far as uh, T-Bone does. Um, did you happen – I know you I know you didn't uh, – I was going to make a comment. <laughs> the freaking uh, all-star game, the basketball all-star game. What what a waste. Yeah. Uh, I think the score was like 157 to 160. There's no defense being played. It's just guys just running down, throwing the ball. Up. I, you know what? I guess you like that. But, uh, and I didn't watch all of it. I watched parts of it. Right. Um, uh, Swept back and forth between that and the 40th anniversary of uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, but uh, realistically, it's a meaningless event. Uh, I, I was listening to some uh, commentator talk and uh, he was absolutely right. He says, you know, the only all-star game that has any meaning is the baseball all-star game because it decides who's going to be have home field advantage during the World Series. Right. Uh, you know, football, uh, nobody wants to get hurt and I understand that. Yeah. So why even have it? Basketball, they play no defense. It's all about who can make the most shots and, and whatnot. And just, it's worse than a freaking uh, pickup game at the park I mean, just <laughs> yeah I, I, don't, I don't get it man I, I yeah I think that whole thing is well especially in this day and age where the athletes get paid a lot of money yeah they don't want to take any chances no. you know ruin your season in a game that doesn't count no I, some and of, a couple of those guys had to play the next day yeah you know? uh, and add travel and and so even if you didn't have to play the next day you know you, you're, you're doing all that stuff it, it, I don't know it just doesn't it, it doesn't make sense, I don't think. Uh, Which is interesting because I think, uh, you know, they were talking about uh, the Nielsen ratings or whatever they use these days. Uh-huh. I think the, the All-Star game had like a five share in the uh, 40th anniversary of uh, Saturday Night Live had like a 14 share. So no. really nobody even watched it. And and, uh, and I understand it was on TNT, I guess, which was cable. But pretty much everybody has basic cable these days. So the opportunity to watch it was there for most people. I'm not saying everybody has it, but most people had the opportunity to watch it. Um, but uh, I don't get it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think it's just uh, I think it's just one of those things and that just needs to kind of go away. It's my, yeah. It's my you play, you know, I, even in baseball, I mean, I, I, I dislike the fact that baseball has – if you played 162 games, then got through the playoff series, and then made it to the World Series, and you had the best record in baseball – or better than your opponent, right. then you deserve home field. Forget about what you, you some all-star <laughs> crap shit happened. So I, I'm against even that. Well, uh, and I, as you pointed out, that's the only one that... That's the only one that does it. But the thing is, is even then, really, they're realistically... It's not, see, the last time the all-star game in baseball meant anything is when Pete Rose plowed in <laughs> right. was playing catcher. I mean, I mean, seriously. that, And they don't have that. I mean, it's no, I understand why they don't have it. Because really, realistically, it's just some bullshit showcase thing that nobody wants to get hurt at so it doesn't matter so why are we why do we even deal with it yeah well you know seriously just just play play like you said play your 162 games whatever and uh if you need a week off take a week off yeah i got no problem with that (laughs) you could even still announce an all-star team right you know honor them and let them do the whole home run derby and stuff i guess i mean i personally think that's that stuff's i don't mind i I watched the three-point contest i watched the 
Slam Dunk the Contest. The Contest. Which, which That's usually the only thing I watch. Yeah. I didn't watch that even. Yeah. Even. And so I watched that, and yeah, that was that was cool. But uh, the actual game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you should just get rid of these things, and again, may, maybe make an, a media event, and like with football, you know, now they're trying to dovetail it into the Super Bowl, you know. Make an announcement. Do a big, you know, like like the Heisman dinner. Right. Right, where, you know, everybody's sitting around and nobody knows yet. So then you, you make a media event out of it. Nobody knows yet. Who is, Who the, is, is? the defensive back of the year, yeah. you know, uh, for whatever. You know, I don't know. I could see that being more meaningful uh, than what they do now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I haven't watched – I have not watched a – NFL All-Star game, probably in 10 years. Yeah, wow. Maybe. You know, and that's why I was flipping channels. I, I never, I, I just, it's not appealing. It's, like you said, and it's just, it's meaningless. Yeah. And, 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 and it also means, if you're playing in the, uh, the, the Pro Bowl, whatever they call it, it means you didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because the Super Bowl uh, players don't show up for that because they got other things to do. So, yeah. I, I don't know about all these All-Star games. I don't know what the, steal, the deal is with the hockey All-Star game. I, I don't know what the... I don't recall, but I do recall the last I saw. They, they play something. The game is... They do play a game. Yeah, I know sure. they play. I and I think it's it's very soft. I don't know it's how very, serious they take it or if it means anything. From what I remember. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Big plans for this week, man? No. You know, you know, like I said, I got some kids that are fighting things and so get them back on. And uh, uh, nothing exciting. Yeah. No, not not. Not really, no. <laughs> I tried to get somebody. I was supposed to get a bike ride in today. Didn't. Uh, so, uh, hopefully I'll try to get a bike ride in this week. Yeah. Like the next couple of days. Uh, other than that, nothing to write home about. Yeah, I got a little one in the day. I mean, I, I mean listen, uh, realistically, it, if you look at my Strava, it looks like I did a lot. Basically, I was just running here, and so. <laughs> you know, it's man, like it's time in the saddle, man. Time, time in the saddle. saddle. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I got what, 13, 14 miles in, but it really wasn't a, a ride ride. You know what I mean? It's like I rode here, had a cup of coffee, rode here, did this, rode here, did that. So, But, uh, yeah, it's it's. I haven't had a, a, a ride. I haven't done the loop in I don't know how long, and uh, I got to get back into that, you know, that kind of time, that, those kind of, put those kind of miles in and stuff. But, uh you know, it's, it's one of those things. You know, sometimes life gets in the way. So. Yep, yep. Next week uh, here on Swoops Road, Angela Madsen joins us. And as I said earlier, she's an amazing athlete. Uh, who Last time uh, we talked to her on air, she was uh, still rowing uh, to Hawaii. <laughs> That's right. She's in the middle of the Pacific. Yeah, she's in the middle <laughs> of the Pacific. So they arrived and made it and whatnot, and uh, we haven't had a chance to have almost on time, weren't they? That. They were pretty close to. They were pretty close. Uh, like to, a to, few to, days off, I think. Yeah, but they, I, pretty I close. Think, I don't think they were like weeks away. Off. No, they were just a few days, maybe. Yeah. And uh, now she's training for the uh, the 2016 Paralympics. Uh, always a, a great interview. Always great to have her in the studio with us, hanging with us, and so many great stories. And, and she's achieved so much that you know, she's just, uh, as we say, a certified badass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, former Marine, uh, and whatnot. She's big on uh, what's happening with the veterans. Uh, we'll talk to her a little bit about that. We'll talk to her about her training, what she's gone through, and what she's got going on. And 
uh, what events she's going to be in this uh, next this time um, next year. Uh, you know, next uh, year, summer next year. Uh, Sixteen. That's right, huh? So look forward to uh, chatting with Angela. Snuck up on us. Yeah, we got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things uh, popping up here, and uh, as we as we say, this is a uh, Swoops World, the final season. So mm-hmm. uh, enjoy as much as you can, as well as uh, next week we'll have AD. Again, with us as always. Uh, Peter, any, uh, any last minute words of wisdom for our listeners? Don't drink this Coco Mole <laughs> stuff. Sorry. We both we have both tried it again. That's, yeah, that was our oh beer. Oh, God, he might kill me. <laughs> and, uh, oof, it's, it's rough, man. It's rough. We want to thank uh, uh, <laughs> Dave for joining us in the chat room. Those of you who listen to us on TalkStream Live, as well as Swoops World Apps. And all the other ways you can listen to us. Download us from free on iTunes. If you do that, please leave us a comment. And, uh, you know, one of those, uh, what do they call those? Uh, uh, rating, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, you can also download us for, uh, for free on swoopsworld.com. Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Good night. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 